0: We secured the underground route to the coordinates.
1: Previously on the Project Umbrella podcast.
2: Only you could switch the topic of conversation from Resident Evil 6, which is three weeks away, oh, this, this, to this, confidential reports.
3: And the entire movie is redeemed
0: for me because at the start of the movie, Wesker kills Alice something like 20 times in rapid succession.
2: is vagina.
4: Eve, Yeah, Claire, help
2: me. Neo Umbrella, that's a great name.
1: <laughs> um, I really don't like being told to deposit things in security boxes. Put down their bags,
0: pop their back, stretch out their neck a little bit, and immediately assassinate their immediate supervisor. <laughs> As you do. Project Um, (sighs)
5: Umbrella. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Project Umbrella podcast, taking over numerous Slav Republics to forward our power base, and when we decide to defect to a rival corporation, we don't involve a plan that involves being impaled by a tyrant. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, and joining me today is The Batman. Hello. Newsbot. Hello. And George Trevor. Hello and our very special guest returning for a second time, it's S.T.A.R.S. Tyrant! Well known and popular Resident Evil fan. One of the original Ari horror legends. Creator of the absolutely fantastic original Timeline. Regular contributor to the Resident Evil Mythos. From Great Britain,
4: it's Stars Tyrant! Greetings and hello!
3: There's a star man waiting in the sky. Would like to come and meet us when he brings you online?
4: Hello
5: guys! Excellent. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be looking at all the latest news, although as many of you know, episode 10 has only been released 24 hours ago, so there's not a lot of news since we last recorded it, but we're going to have a brief discussion on some news that's come out since then. I'm not sure if there's any site news, but we'll hand over to our resident founder Newsbot, to discuss if there are any. The main game of the evening is going to be Resident Evil 5, so we're going to be looking at all the offshoots, including Lost in Nightmares, and uh, I know Batman was keen to look at the betas as well, because there's a lot of beta artwork and things that went into the game before the final release and before that also we're going to be looking at the resident evil 6 demo that's just been released as well so without further ado let's crack on with the news Okay, first bit of news comes in the form of Resident Evil Damnation. Just a reminder, really, for everyone out there. But that's going to be released on the 24th of September on DVD and Blu-ray. That's in the physical copy format anyway. However, it is now available on Xbox Live and the PlayStation Network to download. I know many people on both the tier forums and Project Umbrella forums have viewed it, and I'm avoiding all these threads at the moment, so I can't really comment on how well it's gone down. Can anyone elaborate?
2: Seems to be quite positive.
5: Good. A new trailer was also released, actually, before it got released, which shows a bit more of Ada and the Slav Republic as well. And I think if you look, there's a bit on the controlling B.O.W.s. The liquor's obviously looks to be controlled by the plagger with Buddy seemingly in control, taking the Saddler role. And there's also quite a cool fight with between the Lickers and a Tyrant, a Mr. X T-103 variant, which is a bit reminiscent of the fight that the T-103 has in Outbreak File 2 with the Hunters.
2: So that's all lovely jubbly.
5: Anyone else looking forward to buying it on day of
2: release? What format? Blu-ray mines already on its way from play.com.
1: Oh, is it? Oh, okay.
2: Is there any special features on the Blu-ray that's not on the DVD one, do you know? I think there's some concept art.
5: Oh, right. <laughs>
2: okay. And um, there's, there's usually some sort of information track, isn't there? Like a trivia track or a picture-in-picture track that's exclusive to Blu-ray.
5: Okay. And I have been told by, I think, Archalon on the TIA forums that if you don't want to know anything about Biohazard 6 there's something at the end, but after the credits and so if you don't want to know, stop watching then That's all I know, I'm keeping very out of this because I'd want a surprise whilst watching but it looks
1: good We're going to discuss Damnation, aren't we, on the next one?
5: Yes, next podcast is going to be uh, entirely dedicated to Damnation so that should be a really good podcast to look forward to Obviously, it's a lot of media in one go so there should be a lot to discuss and obviously leading up to Biohazard 6 which is now two weeks away Other news, we have a new a 6 trailer slash TV spot that's been released. I, for one, have seen it in between the X Factor. Is this the one with the
1: piano? Yes. Uh, I loved that trailer. I absolutely loved that trailer. I thought it was fantastic. I just really liked the change of pace, and obviously it was just a slightly different tone to it. I just thought that was absolutely fantastic, that trailer.
2: As all weapons failed. This is the
5: I liked, because I've apparently been told it's a French one, or at least it was made for the French markets first before getting redubbed for the British market, or at least the English-speaking market. But for me, obviously, it's the first time I had seen anyway, I may be slightly blind, because of smoke filling up the streets, filling up the city, and it reminded me a bit of the old Terra Grigia incident, which was nice. But as you said, George, very good, very cinematic, and very
2: slow-paced, but different, and it,
5: hopefully that will continue throughout the game,
2: but... I like that scene with Leon and Eleanor where they're going up the transparent elevator and you can just see the buildings like exploding around them and they just sort of look at each other as if to say, you know, things really have gone to hell. I
4: was just going to say I like the um, the live action segment which shows the advert break before and it doesn't have any connection to the name. It just uses the No Hope Left slogan. And if you've no idea what that is, the advert's really ambiguous and it comes across really well. Definitely.
5: And it's getting, certainly, I've seen it a few times on the TV. I mean, it's getting a lot of coverage. Obviously, there's been a big push marketing-wise to try and get this into the uh, eyes of a lot of perhaps Call of Duty fans wanting to shoot them up before Black Ops 2 comes out.
1: They're not going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Said begrudgingly. But I think that concludes the news.
5: And Have you got anything else, Newsbot?
6: I translated the Director's Cut Guide and the entire scenario for Zero.
5: Oh, right. That's quite big. Care to elaborate more for our listeners?
6: The Director's Cut Guide contains a lot of information that relates to the original Biohazard and... so it's quite interesting.
5: Yes, I saw on the site you put kind of like a canon disclaimer there about, unless it's been directly overwritten, it's as close to canon as you can get. Yeah. Yeah. About some of the enemies and things like that. Because it's all talking about the clay virus still, isn't it?
6: It's the first source that mentions Umbrella Industries and the fact that BOWs are cloned.
3: Ah, there you go.
4: I like the reasoning for having the rocket launcher in the helicopter. It's nice to have a bit of an explanation behind that. It's pretty cool. What's the reason for it? I mean, you'll have to correct me if I get this wrong, Paul, but it's because Barry has an idea that Wesker is doing something... With regards to bioweapons or anything, so he packs the rocket launcher into the helicopter without telling Wesker, which is why it's on board the helicopter at the end.
6: That's the assumption, yeah. Fits pretty well.
5: Cool. Right, well that concludes the news. Moving on, our sub-discussion for this evening. I think you can already guess George's attitude on this. (laughs) (laughs) The newly released Biohazard 6 demo, which is available for free to download on PlayStation Network and Xbox Live.
0: Running recon alone. Listen up. The BSAA, our job is to rid the world of bioterrorism. The only way we're going to do that is by sticking together. Nobody's expendable. Exactly. Now, each and every one of you may be ready to die for our cause. But it's my job to make sure we all get through this alive. Suck it up, Finn. Sorry, sir. No one gets left behind. Not on my watch. Understood? Yes, yes sir. sir. Vin, give us the update. Yes, sir. The Gorillas are using a new species of B.O.W. Command is calling them Juavo. They are extremely intelligent, incredibly strong, and have the ability to mutate in response to physical trauma. All right, you know the drill. Split into three teams. Move out! You got it, sir. Yes, sir. You're the rookie, huh? Yes, sir. Finn McCauley, sir. I know you're nervous, Finn. The team's got your back, okay? Yes, sir. I'll give this everything I've got. Oh, is this awesome?
5: My voice will probably go quite quiet now. I haven't played it, I haven't downloaded it. I'm saving myself like a virgin. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Let's get the negatives out of the way. George, crack on.
1: (laughs) Oh, cheers. Well, I played Leon's campaign first. I was excited by this because the suggestion was for the survival horror fans, there was a campaign that was suited for you. The only difference I could see between this campaign and the others was just less zombies and less was happening. I didn't particularly like the controls, the aiming system, seemed quite off obviously there's no progression in the graphics which isn't a a big point for me i think the point's been made you know what we've lost in graphics we've gained in a much larger game but there were so many additions to this that just took away any feeling of tension or horror for me you know this on-screen map indicator i mean it regresses the art of finding a destination to the level of ease fit for a primary school child i mean it's ridiculous (laughs) kind of taking by the hand and saying go there go there go there so you've basically got gameplay that's reduced to may as well the rails
5: no exploration anymore than any
1: yeah any feeling of exploration or satisfaction achieved by exercising a little brain power to find your route to find your a difficult route that's completely taken taken away and then you've got this additional help of a giant fucking arrow I mean it's just fucking, it's literally kindergarten. An arrow? Yeah, you can press the next button you've got an enormous arrow that just literally points you into your direction. I mean these are things you don't have to do, and you, but it's difficult to take your eyes off the on-screen map indicator. For me that really just takes away any slight ounce of tension that was so thinly spread across this game anyway. The other two campaigns, Jake's and Chris's, again all you seem to have is this monotonous cycle of shoot an enemy, move forward, pick up ammo, shoot an enemy, move forward, pick up ammo. And completely puzzleless. I mean, the, the only semblance of a puzzle you get, basically, go here and fetch this quest. You've got a couple of those, you know, go here and fetch this key card to open this door in Leon's gameplay. Other than that, it's just a basic Call of Duty.
5: I'm concerned about these arrows, because the last time a Resident Evil game had whacking great arrows in it, it was Survivor
4: 2. You can turn them off. Oh, you can? Okay, okay
1: right. Oh, can you? What, the small ones? You
4: can turn off all the navigation, all the heads-up display, everything.
6: Yeah, it's, all it's in, the in options. options under Icon Display. Okay. It turns off the HUD as well, but you can bring it back up again by pressing L2 or the left button. You can just press it and it'll come up again for a few seconds then disappear and if you hold it it'll give you it the arrow but you, you don't have to hold it
1: Can I just want to make one point because obviously I'm not a fan of the survival thing but I've said this before you can get action that placed in the wrong setting can be very tense and, and is what Resident Evil is all about. But the one thing I always go back to is the fight with in Resident Evil 4 in the heart. Is it with Louis? With Louis? Sarah? When you've got hordes of enemies constantly on top of you and that was really tense and, and, and felt right and I don't know what if you guys agree. To me this just seemed too much monotonous, basic, one-dimensional combat and, and very little else. You spot, what did you think?
6: It was initially pretty jarring, the demo. The camera and the controls are completely new, so it took a while to get used to. But once it got used to it, it was pretty fun. How did it compare
2: to the previous Dragon's Dogma demo?
6: Oh, it beats the shit out of that demo. <laughs> okay. Batman?
2: Yeah, I didn't mind it really i mean i sort of see where george is coming from it does feel different it's quite hard to pick up and play because there's so many new things you can do and obviously it's the first time you've got total control of the camera but i mean you're gonna have to be patient with it i think there is good things to be found with the controls but you do have to be patient with it like you know i was getting frustrated with the cover system the cover system's really bad you know you're running towards a horde of enemies who are shooting machine guns at you and you want to duck but instead i kept sliding over the top of the uh the crate or the table and walking right into them. Um, Yeah, I I
6: decided from the start never to bother using the cover system. It's pretty... It's useless and it's cumbersome as well.
2: Yeah, I think I'll be the same to be honest. But like I say, if you be patient with the new controls and you learn all the new moves like the sliding and the quick shot you can do and things like that, I think it will be fun. I quite (sighs) enjoyed Leon's segment. I thought it had quite good atmosphere. The only thing I was disappointed with was how linear it was. I think there's literally one room which is optional for you to go in and explore one classroom. Other than that you've got no choice. You have to go in every single room and it's literally just get from A to B.
1: You can't do any interaction with your surroundings because this went long ago I suppose, but you you don't get any descriptions of anything that you're looking
2: at. No, I mean, the only thing you can do is open drawers. But it would be nice, no matter how minute it is, it would be nice to go over to a bookshelf and say, yeah, these books are yeah. all about chemistry or something like that. You know, as insignificant as it is, that sort of thing's always been nice. But I didn't mind it. I thought the zombies were okay. Bit in the police car was good first time out, but I can see that getting a bit repetitive on on future playthroughs, because you've literally got no control over it. I don't even know if the zombies can burst in or not, and if they can't burst in after a a certain amount of time, then it just seems, the whole thing just seems a bit pointless, really.
1: It took me a while to gather what was going on in that car and what they wanted me to do, and you've got this little stick that you're, you're moving around, and there's no actual in-game mess actually let you know what you're meant to be doing, and it took me a long time and, and nothing happened. I just wanted to ask, did anyone else find the AI of the zombies was appalling? I mean, you can literally go up to one, and I found this out particularly because I got the aiming so off, and it was taking me a long time to actually get down and, and, and shoot these things. And there was no tension at all, because ha- however poor I was at the gameplay, there was no real disadvantage in this, because I, I could just take the zombies out freely without them coming anywhere near me. Even when I was quite close to someone, shooting them and and the the aiming was off, they didn't run at me. I wasn't punished for this poor gameplay. And and the other thing that frustrated me was, I don't know how ever-present it's going to be in the final game, but in the demo, you've got this ever-present partner and their revival system. So even if you do get to the point where you're tense because you're low on health, you know that your partner's just behind you. And this revival system, there doesn't seem to be any limit to this. It, It seems to be able to occur continually. So you're effectively, you almost can't die.
6: Well, the final game does have a lone wolf skill that turns... The partner helping system off so
5: to me that sounds a bit like lord of the rings war on the north if anyone's ever played that you have potions and stuff to heal yourself but there's absolutely no point using them because the minute you faint one of the other characters because there's three characters running around they run up to you and go oh you better get up there's more orcs to kill and then you get revived and you're like well thanks very much it restores like half your health
1: that's exactly what it feels
4: like
2: you just keep doing that? You go, well, I'm not you. I can't be asked to use these potions. One improvement they have made over Resident Evil 5 is when you go into dying status, you can still shoot your gun. You can still try and protect yourself. You're on the floor, you're crawling, you've not got much chance, but you still can try and protect yourself. You're not completely helpless like you were in Resident Evil 5. And obviously you don't have to worry about your partner character going into dying status, because that was one of the irritating things about Resident Evil 5, when you were split up from Sheva, and all of a sudden she'd say, oh, help me, I'm dying. And you know... There's no way in hell you'll get back to her in time. As far as I'm aware, you don't have to worry about that at all in Resident Evil 6. What did you think of the
4: demo, type? I enjoyed it, uh, similar to, to Bats. Um, and I think you can have a lot of fun with the controls once you're used to them. You know, the, the sliding. I actually used the cover mechanic a lot in Chris's section, and it, it made it a bit more bearable. Yeah, I enjoyed it, uh, but then this comes from someone who tends to enjoy the later games in the series a little bit more than most. I just can't believe how the pioneers of the -the over-the-shoulder camera system in Capcom can fail to get it right for this, though, because it's still not right. Despite what the developers are saying, it's not far off what it was like in the Dragon's Dogma demo. It's better, considerably better, but it's still a long way to go. And I just can't understand how they can get it so wrong.
5: Is it still too close to the to it's the back just, of your head, so you can't see what's going you on? Can,
4: you can definitely see now, but it's just not right. And I can't quite put my finger on why it's not right, but it's just not. And I think if you're used to how 4 and 5 plays, yeah, it's jarring. I think it's the best way
2: someone described it it's it's jarring. I actually enjoyed the Chris demo. I thought that was really cool. The whole European BOW war zone with the Jaabos I thought that was pretty cool. I mean I can see where the criticisms have come from with that. I wouldn't like the whole game to be that, but that's one of the things that's appealing to me about Resident Evil Six is the contrasting gameplay styles like Leon's and Chris's are just so radically different and I think that's that's really you know really appealing. It's just I- a shame
4: Usternak wasn't in him. Um jake's section because jake's section just felt like an extended chris
2: one this time which was a shame yeah we did get to see the bows in their chrysalid form and they give birth to them dragon things they were they were pretty cool
1: but for me leon's campaign will only work as an alternative to the other playing styles if it's something a little bit more than chris's campaign with the action turned down because i was expecting puzzles and that's his right there's definitely an atmosphere to Ivy that perhaps was lacking in Resident Evil 5 and they've improved on that but to me it was just a slowed down version of Chris's campaign and and I couldn't really see how that was a legitimate explanation of what survival horror should be because it isn't. I
2: just hope that later in Leon's campaign, there is some sort of hub area, like similar to the police station or the mansion, where you're in one location for a set amount of time and there is a bit of exploration to do. Yeah. Just yeah. something like that to break it up a bit because I understand the majority of it will be, you know, going from point A to point B. And a lot of Resident Evil 2 was like that, to be fair. But you do want this like central hub area just to sort of, you know, break it up a bit.
5: I think what's been lacking, at least from the newer games, is quite simply the, the files. Because we've been talking about, obviously, a lot of the old ones in the last podcast about Co-Veronica. And you're moving around these locations, and we'll discuss Resident Evil 5 in a bit, at such a hasty pace. You never get to stop to appreciate where you are, that kind of thing. And I was just thinking randomly last night, you know, like in the hospital in Resident Evil 3, you pick up a file that's... You know, pointless really to the whole story of the game talking about how a doctor can't cope with all the bodies coming in and it kind of added like a different level of you know people have been here before you got here and I think that's been lacking a bit because they're they're so action-packed well not action-packed they just go so fast you just don't get the kind of like history of the area you know, you didn't have any kind of emotional attachment to Kajuju or anything like that because it was just so fast. And you never really understood, you know, all the horror and the harrowing that came with it. And the only time I think you got in Resident Evil 4 was obviously that the end credits where you actually yeah. saw, ah, this is what happened before I was here. And that that added so much more. And I think I'm upset really that Leon's one, not that, you know, I'll say this without playing it, that I, I understood that it was all going, set in in the university. And I think that would have been the perfect opportunity for lots of student manuals and diaries and <laughs> things like that just for Leon to read. You know, they've been very similar probably you know, to the Resident Evil 2 but it's good to get them and I think it really adds to it. But if you're saying it's so linear it's point A to point B and you, it's, you can only get in one room that's optional.
1: For me that really detracts from
5: building up the atmosphere.
1: I completely agree, and that, that's what I particularly miss, is that emotional attachment to particular areas, because you, you've you got memories of your particular gameplay because you've passed through them so many times, whether in in desperation or frustration because you're backtracking when you, you shouldn't be, because you've made a mistake and you've forgotten to pick up a particular item. But do we know for certain that they are files in Resident Evil 6, in the main game?
2: Yes, they've gone down the Umbrella Chronicles route. It's the, the blue emblems that you find unlock yeah. unlock the files.
5: So I'm hoping <laughs> that there's going to be some of them. But as I said, that won't necessarily make the situation better because there's that nice part where you read it as you're playing as opposed to necessarily afterwards, but we'll see.
1: And it gives a greater dimension and depth to the area that you find it in because sometimes the file either relates to a, a particular object or or a person that passed through that area or something to do with that area itself as a secret doorway that needs to be accessed I just can't understand why you know the richest things about Resident Evil and what made it so iconic and so multi-dimensional and having such an emotional attack with it before why they're taking these things out why for what purpose would they take the files out because if you're an action orientated gamer that they're marketing to for the extra buck well then you don't need to read the files you know they don't get in the way if you don't want them but just Mm. why take them out
5: Indeed well moving quickly back to Bios Six what's everyone's impression now they've obviously played the demo are you excited about the game or apprehensive on newsbot you said on the forums you're more hyped than ever
6: yeah mainly for the story though
5: just for the story they go about the gameplay the demo left you feeling a bit down no, i,
6: I like the i like the game just hope there's more uh, variety in the scenarios
2: i would recommend people practice with the demo so by the time the game arrives <laughs> you are completely comfortable with the controls, because I think it will spoil your first playthrough if you're just not used to the controls whatsoever. I think you will find it frustrating.
6: I went back to Resident Evil 4 yesterday as well, after the playing the demo for a while, and it was really, really difficult to get back into. The aiming feels sluggish and slow in 4 compared to 6 now.
1: Did nobody else here have a problem with the aiming?
6: Well, you
2: mentioned the jarring aiming, but that's what the skill points are for. I think you can get a skill called Steady Aim, which will sort it out.
1: I'm still very much looking forward to this, because I want to try and get past the dissatisfaction that I've got with it. Batman says, I think this is probably going to be a game like Resident Evil 4 that I would have to be patient with in order to get the most out of it.
5: Mm, well, that's all very exciting to look forward to. I think uh, Batman, I'll just have to struggle <laughs> through the first level. Hopefully, they'll be um, the, the opening levels are kind.
2: Yeah, but one thing I'm looking forward to is the fact that I know there's lots of gameplay videos and a few trailers, but there's still lots of this game we've seen absolutely nothing of. Mm. You know, I think 90% media we've seen come from the first two chapters for each character. So you're still talking, if you count Ada's campaign, you know, you're still counting, say, 13, 14 levels that we've seen absolutely nothing of. And even in the trailers, to be fair, Capcom seems to have learned from last time with regards to spoilers. I mean, now that the game facts ones have been proved to be fake, I mean, I, I haven't got a fucking clue what's going on, and I'm, I'm pleased about it. Oh, God. That.
5: Yeah. (laughs) who is this naked chick that has spider grown out of it? I mean I saw someone on Tia posted a picture of it that That has
4: been revealed who that is isn't it so I'll not say
5: has it okay but I mean slightly um, risque for Capcom
4: it was on the um, age limit description wasn't it It contains nudity oh
5: really yeah
6: Barbie doll nudity at that
5: (laughs) Right, okay, uh, does anyone want to say anything else about Bar 6 before it comes up? Any lasting words of wisdom?
6: Please don't fuck up the story. <laughs>
5: <Yeah>. <laughs> How many links are we hoping for, for to previous games? There's that tiny Revelations one, wasn't there, about the
4: FBC, I think we've had already. I don't think anything in Revelations is going to feature in the game at all. I don't think we'll see Jessica or, what's his name? I forget his name. Raymond? Raymond, Raymond, yeah. I don't think we'll see either of them too. I think they'll save that for a possible Revelation sequel, to be honest. Yeah, I'd agree with that.
6: They'll likely have uh, connections to two due to Sherry. And possibly uh, three because of Leon and Benford. They'll probably mention something about him being blackmailed into the government.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, the epilogue. Obviously about Ada as well. Hopefully we'll learn a bit more about what her true goals are. Hmm. and who the fuck she works for. <laughs> <laughs>
5: I think I, I think there's clues in damnation. Well, I think there's something in damnation, but I don't think it gives it away as to who it is. Oh, well, we live and wait two weeks. Exciting, exciting. And uh, then we'll come back and inevitably have a wonderful podcast on Biohazard 6, so we can all digress. Right, so on that note, we can move swiftly on to the main topic of this evening. It's the ever-controversial Resident Evil 5.
0: Just Chris, thanks. So you'll be accompanying me to the destination? Yes. Tensions are running high ever since the change in government. I'll bet. Intel says it's a haven for terrorists now. And I'm not going to be happy to see an American. BSA or not. That's why I'm your partner. Help put them at ease. Well, I'm sure you'll do just fine. You okay? Yeah, sorry. It's nothing. Let's go. Casualties continue to mount over the long years I've struggled. More and more I find myself wondering if it's all worth fighting for. Maybe one day, I'll find out. Hey, hey! you in you. Ala Fanya Nini Hafa? You don't have to get touchy. Let's go. There is one thing I do know. I have a job to do, and I'm going to see it
5: through. Well, well, well. What can we say about Resident Evil 5? We have lots to say. It's a game that has been long in development. I particularly remember seeing the first teaser trailer, which reminded me very much of 28 Days Later, and this... New mechanic of daytime, how scary it's going to be in daytime. Since release, it's caused a lot of controversy in fact during development it did as well which we could talk upon and the aftertaste if you like a resident evil 5 still divides a lot of fans briefly i think we'll just have a quick discussion overall what everyone thought of it batman we'll start
2: with you i enjoyed it i really liked the gameplay of resident evil 4 this stepped it up a notch you know it was basically essentially a hd version of resident evil 4 which you know isn't a bad thing i think the story was excellent I enjoyed the locations. I didn't have a problem with it being set in the daytime. It wasn't scary, but I didn't expect it to be. It was tense. I enjoyed the characters. I thought Sheva was good. They gave her a really good backstory. It was nice to see the Lickers come back and some of the new B.O.W.'s like the Reaper was good and Exceller and all the tricell stuff was good. The only disappointing thing story-wise was the resolution, the final battle between Chris and Wesker. But I think a lot of people feel the same way. But overall, you know, I enjoyed it. I didn't have a problem with it. I could see where people wouldn't like it and I could understand where the criticisms come from. But for me personally, I really enjoyed it.
4: Uh,
5: who
2: would agree with that? All the way.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Explain. Yeah, well, I'll just echo that opinion. To me, it's, it's going to cause some trouble, but it's one of my favourite games in the series. Oh. Story-wise, mainly because of the fact that particularly the Chris and Wesker conflict was the backbone of the story for me. And, you know, since the last time we got a good chunk of that was Code Veronica, I waited years for this game to actually see these two, you know, battle with each other again. And I really, really like the scene we got with Chris and Jill. I didn't like how the stuff with Jill was handled. I thought her death and subsequent bringing back was quite poor. Would have been made a lot better if Lost in Nightmares had come out before the game as a sort of pre-play demo kind of thing. It would have given us the fan base a chance to miss her a little bit. The files, you know, we just alluded to the fact that, you know, the files weren't really there, but the files were quite detailed and quite rich with content. Yeah. Um, being in an Umbrella Lab again was fantastic, and as much as the game was linear, the fact that it changed its pace quite a lot, changed its location, made it feel a lot fresher than Resident Evil 4, and I think I didn't feel the action fatigue set in as well as it did with that game, and seeing some resolution to Spencer was fantastic.
5: New
6: um, spot? I like it as a game, but not as a horror game, really. I like the story, but I do have a few gripes with certain parts. I like that they finally resolve the progenitor virus. Mm but I didn't like how they basically uh, gave it the abilities of the G-Virus, although it still fits quite well. Uh, Files were pretty good. I thought they were the best files till that point. Big improvement from 4, which was basically nothing. 4 had files, but they didn't really explain anything or add anything to the story. That's basically it.
1: Okay. Dare I say, George, Trevor? Newsbot actually makes a good point, I think, about liking it as a game, but not necessarily as a horror game. I sometimes think too much is made. About the daytime setting, I didn't particularly like daytime setting, but, you know, Resident Evil 2, most of that certainly isn't set time. I don't mind a heavy use of combat, but I just found with RE5, combat just seemed so one-dimensional. You kind of have this one-paced wave of brown and grey, green enemies on top of brown and grey-green locations. And so you you never kind of get the tension slowly rising to kind of like a crescendo of tension added to that utterly linear, which I take the point that the location's changing and you you have quite a good combination in different locations. But for me, just being taken straight there in one direction without any opportunity to divert or to use my own desire for exploration. So many things in this game took me out of experience rather than, you know, actually drawing me into it. One of the best stories, actually, in the series for me, and some of the best files, really detailed. And actually, I was really surprised by the level of detail and the way that the files related back to past history. Of evil. I really, really enjoyed actually the location where you get the stairway to the sunflower. The fact that we got the origins of the progenitor, I thought that was fantastic.
5: Just want to stop you there, simply because what you've touched upon, I think we've all actually agreed upon in our little brief summaries about the plot, as bit certainly is the. The major plus of the game anyway, and I think most people seem to agree that the storyline in particular was one of the better storylines of the series.
0: Destination coordinates?
4: Down squares up ahead.
0: Go through there. Alpha team's waiting at the deal location. Good. What do you know about Ouroboros? Mostly just rumours. Something about visions of a doomsday project. Doomsday sounds about
3: right, and apparently it is no rumor.
0: You're kidding, right?
3: You must find a man named Irving. He's our only lead. And be careful out
0: there.
5: I'd like to kick that off just by reminding everyone of what we discussed in the Biohazard 4 podcast about Resident Evil 5's greatest strength, almost, was to make Resident Evil 4 very relevant. Because at the time, apart from the additions of Separate Ways, Simon Ada, and that kind of thing, Resident Evil 4 still felt out on a bit of a limb. And I think Resident Evil 5 did a sterling job in bringing it all back into the mix and making certainly the Plagas an acceptable B.O.W., if you like. You could see it in not just isolated to the Spain, southern Europe area, but how it would be applied, improved by Tricell, and then made as a competitive B.O.W. on the black market. That combined with, as we've already touched on, the origins of progenitor virus, bringing back iconic creatures like the liquor, but again using the latest Developments there, and having El Gigante back as well as Ndesu. For me, it was Resident Evil Five's greatest strength: bringing all that together and making
2: it fairly cohesive. It does resonate when you see like all the infected people in Kajuju and you know reading sort of Adams' blog and the BSA desktop, which describes the downfall of the town. It sort of resonates when you play Resident Evil Four and you watch the ending where Leon sort of begrudgingly hands over the Plaga sample to Ada.
3: Mm. And you just
2: wonder, you know, if that never happened, would Resident Evil 5 have even, you know, taken place? Because the the parasite was indigenous to southern Europe.
5: Yes, and just to confirm, because I I still think there's some confusion as to how Tricell got hold of the Plagas. That came via Wesker. Newsbox?
6: Ada doesn't give the Plagas to Wesker. Well, she does sort of, she sends him the subordinate Plaga? Yes. And he has to go to Spain himself and get the dominant plugger from the corpse of Krauser.
5: Yes, that's correct.
6: And then at some point he gives it to Tricell.
5: Yeah, I liked the, the plot points of the development of it. And I liked the history that, that of Tricell so creating their own history with the, you know, this is a Type 1 plagger. We made it better with a Type 2. And then by the time you get to the end sequences, you've got the Type 3 plaga, And they were a hell of a lot tougher. I liked how they did that and throw into the mix Wesker's little plan of Ouroboros, and you're left with a game that has three biological agents, which I think is a first for a residual game.
6: I think they could have done without Ouroboros. Yeah. It is essentially just progenitor with tentacles. <laughs> I don't see what purpose the tentacles serve, or that... would serve, in a new human race.
5: That's true. Obviously, the other major plot point is the ongoing search for war, Spencer by Wesker. And again, this is kind of briefly alluded to in, in flashbacks originally um, of the game and then obviously made more appropriate and uh, playable in Lost in Nightmares uh, where you saw Wesker hunting down Spencer. And, and this represented a significant change in his attitude. Looking at all the previous involvement by Wesker, you know, he's almost like a, a virus hunter, if you like, going around collecting everything and then using it up to Umbrella Chronicles. Um, actually, further, obviously, Resident Evil 4, but with the Umbrella Con was collecting the, the the Red Queen and then deciding that he was going to make his own umbrella. But then that all stopped when he decided to finally track down Spencer. And then Spencer told him all about the Wesker children,
3: the new superior breed of humans
0: given birth by the progenitor virus, the Wesker children were entrusted with endless potential.
3: Of them, only one survived. You. Are you saying I was manufactured? I was to become a god.
0: (laughs) Creating a new world with an advanced race of human beings. However, all was Lost Raccoon City. Despite that setback, your creation still holds great significance. (coughs) (coughs) Now my candle burns dimly. Uh, Ironic, isn't it? For one who has the right to
3: be a god to face is a mortality the right to be a god (laughs) that right is now mine The right to be a god. You arrogant even until the end. Only one truly capable of being a god deserves that right.
5: So what did everyone think of the Wesker
2: children? It was certainly a bolt out of the blue. <laughs> I'll, I'll,
1: I'll <laughs> be, it, that's only alluded to in Lost in Nightmares. No, you get it in the cutscene, no. OK.
5: Yeah, because he talks about, because he changes his attitude to, you know, he kills him and then he has the conversation before he kills him. and then he's...
1: The actual details, you know, the, the list of, th- is it 13 subjects?
5: Yes, yeah, yeah, the, the actual precise details are in the Lost in Nightmares files, but then obviously, you know, when Spencer tells him about the others, and so you're telling me I'm manufactured, and all, that kind of thing.
6: I got a Hitler Youth impression from it.
5: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I kind
6: of like that aspect. Mm. Stars Tyrant, any thoughts?
4: I liked how um it alludes in the file you get at the end of the game about Wesker, about how the experimental virus, as they call it, in the, in the file is administered through either in early years or through someone they know. And obviously in Wesker's case, it was Birkin who gives him it. I just like the idea that Birkin and Wesker sort of go against Spencer's idea and use the virus in a way that benefits themselves. And it really was like the final nail in Spencer's coffin. That was, you know, the fact that indirectly he actually gives Wesker an, an opportunity to defect and, in a sense, kill himself. And all that. I quite like that aspect of it, even if it's never really made, you know, common knowledge. Mm-hmm. You really have to sort of dig deep for the Wesker children stuff. And a lot of it's lost in the translation as well.
6: One thing that annoyed me about yeah experimental progenitor strain, was that Wesker was initially infected with a variant strain of the G-virus, and so it's even alluded to in Umbrella Chronicles, which is the last game before 5, to deal with the plot. The virus memo states that Birkin gave him a variant strain, and then in 5, it says that it was an experimental strain of progenitor that was given to Birkin by Spencer. It sort of doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
5: This ties in with the, I don't know how to pronounce them, the the, the, tribe and and the files you read about that and about how it used to be that kind of tribal rite of passage almost for the the strongest members of the tribe. Many of the male elders taking and eating the sonotrap plant, which obviously contains the progenitor virus amongst the leaves and the effect that had actually had on them. And this is the big clue to if whether or not someone would be compatible with the progenitor virus, because they gained superhuman strength. And now this is shown, actually, in the when, when you come across the villages as well, they, they seem to jump a lot higher. So are these progenitor creations, or they're still Plaga? I can't recall. They're Plaga, type 3. They're Plaga, type
2: 3, right. Nothing to do with the... The ones you fight in the game? Yes, yeah. No, they're nothing to do with progenitor.
5: Nothing. So it's just they just allude to the ones that, that eat it and then uh, most of them die, I believe, if they ingest it. But the, the ones that are left behind in a kind of Darwinism survival of the fittest matter, you're left with the superhuman carriers of the virus. And that's where Wester kind of falls in. But is it pure luck that he was compatible with the virus? Seems to be.
6: Him and Alex Wesker.
5: But when, yeah, this is what I was alluding on to. When he and when the Wesker children were created, so to speak. They weren't necessarily picked because of their blood type, wasn't it just because of their brain powers as kids?
6: It was based on their parents, I think. If their parents were more intelligent and had accomplished things before. And it said that there was hundreds of children originally taken, so they had a pretty big pool of kids to choose from.
5: And they picked the 13?
6: Yeah, I think they narrowed down 13 over time based on their genes or whatever.
5: But even, we don't know, well, the other 13, they all died as well, though. So they weren't compatible. Yeah,
6: they failed in the final stage, which was the administration of progenitor, except for two.
5: But they all had it at completely different times. It wasn't as if they were five years old, here's a progenitor virus, bang them in. As you said a minute ago, they had to have, they were given the
2: virus at some point in their lives by someone they knew.
6: It's assumed that it's around the same time.
2: Yeah, I'd say it's circa 1998. Oh, I see. But going back to the endopaya tribe rituals again, another interesting point about that is obviously Spencer's after an immortality virus, which he thinks progenitor is the key. Mm. And it's mentioned in the endopaya file that uh, there's rumours that one king who successfully bonded with the virus reigned for hundreds of years, which I thought was uh, an interesting point. And obviously it links into Lisa Trevor as well, who was also the first... Uh, she took a variant of Progenitor in 1967 and was bonded with it and she became known as the one who would not die, you know, someone who yeah. was impossible to kill.
1: Yeah, that's a
2: good point. And you've got, and obviously, the, the blobs or the guardians of insanity, whatever they're called, that are wandering around the Spencer Estate, they look a bit like Lisa Trevor as well. The same G-virus type eye on the back as well.
5: Vito has asked me to ask you, ask the podcast, about the, the zombies in Spencer's mansion, about what because there's not a lot, and the blobs, actually, because there's not actually a lot about them in the archives, too. You know, there's not a lot of history on them. So, what do we know?
6: They were test subjects for uh, Spencer's experiments of progenitor, they rushed experiments to try and imitate the immortality virus that Alex Wesker created.
5: Okay, because we have mother, well, progenitor virus experiments also in Resident Evil Zero. There's a lot of the dead bodies, isn't there, what Marcus has been testing on. So, we have. Yeah. That. That's what I do like about Five, because I said it. Zero was hinting at Progenitor quite a lot, but really there's not a lot of Progenitor. And then 5 kind of, as I said, brings it all back in, which was nice.
6: I think Zero was the uh, introduction to Progenitor. Mm. Then Remake was like a little side note where it was mentioned a few times in the files and whatnot. And then at the time they had planned for Rosneo 4 to be the uh, ultimate reveal of it, which would reveal exactly what it does.
5: Yeah, so that would have been obviously with 3.5.
6: Yeah, initially, yeah,
5: until the change. okay.
1: I just wanted to ask, wasn't there some, there was quite detailed discussion, wasn't there, on on the forums about whether there was more one person, because didn't we have an Alex W, and there was some sort of debate as to the actual role within the Wesker Children programme that Alex Mesker was actually playing, that he he may have been actually one of the chief researchers for Spencer.
2: Yes, (laughs) once Alex bonded with the experimental virus, uh, Spencer gave him a role in Umbrella. Yeah. He's the one who makes the report about Albert's death. In the game. Some people
1: were suggesting almost that this was a different person, weren't they? That Alex W wasn't Alex Wesker.
2: Yeah, but I think it was archives to confirm that it was the same person. Mm. And I think there's a little bit of theory out there that because obviously to take charge of the programme, Spencer would have had to explain Alex's origins as being part of that, that experiment, similar to what he'd later do to Albert in 2006. Yeah. And maybe that sort of sowed the seeds in his mind about eventually betraying him.
1: And of course, Alex Wesker is still a loose. He well, this was a huge disappointment when we found out who Jake was, wasn't it? That, that oh. dashed any factor of Alex Wesker being in Resident Evil 6. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I think a huge mistake, because I think that thing was mentioned before. That one file with the Wesker children in Los nightmares just blew you away, didn't it? And I thought it was a really strong plot point to continue and, and obviously link the two games and continue progress the story. It's a really wasted opportunity. Mm, no, I agree.
3: The
0: preparations are almost complete. Then we can leave. Good. You know, I was surprised Las Plagas was such a success. When you first arrived, I had my doubts. And now Ouroboros is complete.
3: Your position at Tricell is secured.
0: Oh, I have my eyes set on something much bigger. Hmm. You'll be needing a partner, right? Someone suitable to join you in your new world? I believe I've proven I'm worthy, haven't I?
3: Perhaps you have.
0: It appears your old friend, Chris Redfield, has come to pay a visit. Do I sense concern?
3: The plan is in its final stages. I will not tolerate delays. <laughs>
5: touched on some of the characters here. They get a lot more backstory, Wesker in particular. Did everyone think that it was a kind of faithful recreation of Wesker? I mean, it was DC Douglas's first major role as Wesker. I can't help but feel he did an excellent job as Wesker. And it, I actually find it quite strange to li- go back and listen, when we did the Code Veronica one, go back and listen to uh, Richard War doing it. Although Richard Waugh's a classic. DC Douglas really... For me, makes a great Wesker, but what, what did everyone think of his portrayal in this game? Because it was somewhat different from Code Veronica, especially with the onset of the PG-475W.
2: I think DC Douglas did a good job, considering he went into this off the back of a lot of criticism for the voice he did in Umbrella Chronicles. I think a lot of people, pro-Richard War absolutely hated what he did in uh... mm. In Umbrella Chronicles, but he did a much better job in RE5. And it's weird, because when he first turns up, that first scene where Excella's injecting him with the PG-67 AW, and the first scene where he confronts Chris, and they have the two-on-two fight with him, Sheva, and Jill, is his normal self, you know, is easily recognisable from how he's portrayed in past games but just as the game goes on and he becomes more and more desperate you know by the time the final battle comes around he's just completely fucking lost it and <laughs> you, you just would never expect Wesker given how he's been portrayed in previous games to actually end up that desperate and that bad
1: well, he's certainly pissed off at Chris because he continually fucks up his plans. In terms of his demise, I think it really had to end because you mentioned that relationship with Chris. And I think if it had continued, he was almost becoming pantomime, wasn't he? You know, this absolute obsession and, and, and hatred for Chris, which you really get, you obviously get an idea of in Code Corrects. I think he was in, very much in danger of it becoming rather pantomime.
2: But the fight he has... Him, Jill, and uh, Chris in the Spencer estate, that's just pure fan service. That that was just brilliant, even if it was taken out of the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Really. <laughs> that bit where he grabs Chris's neck and just throws him down on the table, that's <laughs> absolutely brilliant. And he's a gentleman as well, because I've noticed he never punches a lady. Not really? <laughs> if you watch all the fight scenes, he never actually punches Sheva or Jill.
1: Yeah, so. what about what he does to
6: Claire and Code Monica?
2: No, he kicks her.
1: He yeah. slaps her. Up bit, isn't
6: he? Yeah. he kicks her, he so that's all right. That's all right. No, <laughs> oh, he her. slaps her. He slaps her and kicks her.
1: Yeah. Not a punch, a slap though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you know, you don't know what he got up with with Jill, all that time she's with him.
5: Now, Jill, sorry, Ty, I'll bring you in on this as well. I am not sure what... You've already said you, you didn't like what they did with Jill, and I tend to agree. I thought it was wholly unnecessary to make her an enemy for some reason. And I didn't particularly enjoy the Jill fight, boss fight.
4: I just feel it was a bit it was it was entirely undramatic what they tried to do with it. The speculation was so much better when everyone seriously believed it was Sherry. Which would make gave, more sense. It gave the bird lady much more identity. Yeah. Because in the finished game the bird lady an awesome sort of looking character, Mm. just incredibly underused, you know. And once they'd revealed or hinted that Jill was dead, you just all straight away knew who the bird lady was. And like I say, you know, killing off a character and then bringing them back in the same game, if they'd just released Lost in Nightmares as a a pre-game demo, we'd at least have had like maybe two months where, as a community, one of our characters would have actually been killed. But it's
2: something the series has always suffered with hasn't it? I mean, since the first game they've never killed off a major good character. I think the closest we've come to is uh, Brad
3: Vickers
2: (laughs) in Nemesis. and it's Steve? Well, no, because Steve just turned up in that one game. It's the sort of invincibility around the main characters. I mean, you know for a fact that Leon I mean, I don't believe for a second that Chris is going to die in RE6 because Capcom just don't have the balls to do it and it's the same with Jill. I mean, if Jill, that scene in Lost in Nightmares where she falls out the window with Wesker, that's obviously very effective. And if they just left her dead after that, it would've given you as the player a real reason to be gunning for Wesker going into the game. Yep. But the fact yeah. that they kept her alive and they brought her back, it just takes all that away and it just that's why you don't really feel any threat in Resident Evil Five because you know all the characters are gonna survive. Chris's
4: motives are quite nonsensical as well, because of the fact that he genuinely believes Jill's still alive. Yet he's surprised when he finds out Wesker still is as well, even though it's the same event. Yeah, makes no sense. In the original translation, I I always wondered whether this was a a clusterfuck from the translation. But does he actually genuinely believe Wesker's dead in the Japanese version? Is he surprised in that lift scene where he overhears the conversation? Does anyone know? Or is it just an added line?
6: You see? Uh, We don't have the five script yet, so... Mm. Can't compare.
4: I just find it wholly unbelievable. He's so adamant that Jill's alive. But yeah, he, you know, he really is dumbfounded when he finds out <laughs> Wesker's, Wesker's still around. I think Chris
6: actually believed Jill was dead for a while. It was only until he... There's a reference in the... Yeah, um, even before that, he obtained information that she was probably alive in a previous mission.
4: Oh, is that on the BSAA
6: database? I,
5: yeah. Website? I, 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 I still don't. Again, as you pointed out, it was wholly unnecessary. At least build it up to being what, something. Sherry would have been good, wouldn't it? Although I loved ha-
4: speculation when that was when that was going around, I loved all the theories. It was great.
5: But Sherry made so much sense. Blonde hair. She still looked young clearly had a connection to Westcott of some sort from the trailers. and it, it just made a bit more sense, but then they probably wouldn't have done Sherry, where Chris is the main character, because he doesn't really have a connection to Sherry, whereas if Claire or Leon were the main characters, it would have probably been Sherry.
1: I was just going to say, do you think there's any chance that perhaps early in development it, it started off as Sherry? This suggestion that Jill's hair is blonde because of you know the, the reaction with the capsule that she was in, I don't really buy that. I mean, OK, it serves as an explanation, but I don't actually... Really, by unless someone can put me right, that this was actually an explanation in the mind of the developers, and actually, it's logical, it makes a lot of sense, and and it it gives you know authenticity to the plot of what she went through. That her hair would change in color, that just doesn't really sit right with me.
2: I don't think it is, though, I think it's just a little thing the developers did to try and keep you guessing about who it was. Because if she had brown hair, everyone would have said straight away, Yeah, it's Jill.
1: Do you see any of her blonde hair when she's no, no, you the first time you see her blonde hair is when you know that it's Jill, so she may as well have had brown hair, surely.
6: Also, it's Jill's model, even in that capsule picture. It's her remake model, just slightly changed with different lighting and different shadow.
5: So perhaps it was always her. I don't, again, even if they had designed it to be Jill from the outset, I don't see the point in the blonde hair change. Unless they just wanted to do, have a visual change from her being good in brown hair to her being bad
6: hair I think that was the intention
5: yeah maybe and obviously that's kind of followed up with Revelations as well obviously it's a prequel to 5 but you know in pretty much the same suit that she is in Resident Evil 5 but with the brown hair
2: well maybe it's just another reference to the you know the master race the Hitler Youth thing with blonde hair and blue eyes very good
5: Maybe,
2: maybe. What I did like about Jill's comeback was she was important to the story and the fact that her body produced powerful antibodies to the T-Virus, which was what Wesker used to make the Uroboros virus less poisonous to humans. That was Masterstroke, how they brought yeah. back the Resident Evil
4: 3 connection. It yeah. was unbelievable how well they did that.
5: So what was Wesker's plan here was to spread Uroboros over the atmosphere and then seeing the effect of Uroboros on 99% of the people... You know, you'd have got abominations like Accela and the others that get infected. What would the end result have been, apart from a sea of blobs, which would have probably eventually died anyway? You'd have had a few, what, thousand people that could suddenly jump a bit higher and then start worshipping him as a god, even though he's not a perfect compatibility for Ouroboros.
1: Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what almost makes it nonsensical, because... Whilst I enjoyed the voice acting and I enjoyed the way that Wesker was illustrated from a design point of view, but his actual motives were just so megalomaniac. Obviously, he was going that way, with, you know, what you see at the end of the Code Veronica. But to me, it was almost too fantastical that, you know, Wesker's whole idea on, on, you know, what he wanted for a future world. I don't think he was perfect with the Uraboris though, was he?
6: He was. He just absorbed a large amount.
1: Oh,
5: okay. Because he wasn't infected with the Uraboris until. He punched himself in the containers. Yeah. So he basically has experimental progenitor in it mixed with Ouroboros.
6: Yeah, I think the experimental progenitor thing was nullified by the PG-67 AW, so he had to use Ouroboros Cause,
5: yeah, cause they to sort the o- of
6: uh, regain his powers, but then yeah. he takes too much of it, so he ends up being covered in the leech-like pustules.
5: It's a shame, really, that in Code Veronica
2: you don't see him injecting himself with that as well. It's a bit
4: of a deus ex machine, isn't it? Yeah,
5: yeah.
2: We don't know, though, when he started taking it. There's a nice file in Umbrella Chronicles which is set after the events of Umbrella's End where he's sort of studying the virus's effects against what happened with Marcus and what happened with Sergi. And he's wondering if the host's mindset has something to do that influences yeah. the mutation. And he begins to wonder, doesn't he, what will happen to me? and maybe that sort of planted the idea in his head that he had to develop some sort of way to keep the virus stable within him, even though it's a bit of a plot hole that the virus is referring to is the T-virus, and he's got an experimental progenitor virus. But then the oh, t-
6: uh, And in Umbrella Chronicles, he still had the variant G-virus.
2: Yeah, yeah, so it's a bit of a mess, but that was a nice file, and personally, I don't think he started taking the PG-6-7 till probably 2004, 2005, even after he joined Trisol. I certainly don't think he was taking it in 1998, anyway.
4: You almost It's almost implied that it's Tricell that sort of created it for him, the way Accelerad administers it.
2: Well, I yes. think Fifty Cal on The Horror Is Alive did a extreme close-up picture of it, and it's got a Tricel logo on it, and something like, not suitable for children under two. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sort of detail you love, though. But Resident Evil 5 had lots of little nice details, like Wesker still had his stars, Samurai Edge... When we got that trailer,
4: I thought that was going to be a a huge moment in the game where Wesker taunts Chris with the old Stars pistol, and I was gutted they didn't do anything else with it. Mm. Because, you know, it was such a a defining moment in that trailer, Chris having a Stars pistol held to his head, and then they just didn't do anything with it. It's a blink and you'll miss it moment in the game. But it was still nice to have. It was. And might I just say, that Playing God trailer... That's oh one of gaming's all-time best trailers
2: that is it's unbelievable
5: yeah. all the communities went orgasmic when that came <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> i mean I've never been so excited for a game after seeing that and especially after what you said earlier Ty, about having to wait so long since cold bronica for Chris and wesker to meet again as well
4: i love their lines of dialogue they have with each other in five you know it, it just screams the conflict they've had and I loved it
0: Your plans are finished,
6: Wesker. There's no way out this time.
3: Don't you two ever tire of failing in your mission? You've really become quite an inconvenience for me.
4: Nonsense. It's a shame Chris is back for Res 6, because I felt his character arc was fulfilled with the death of Wesker and Return mm. of Jill. If he'd never been in another game, I would have been quite happy with that.
5: It's like a comic book hero's main character dying off. Suddenly, their life becomes, a you newborn know, pointless, doesn't it? If You know, if Lex Luthor dies, you don't really need Superman anymore. That kind of thing.
2: I agree, but I, I am fascinated to know what his relationship's going to be like with Jake when they both learn...
5: Oh, yes, of course, yeah, that's how they've done it, yeah.
2: You know, is Jake going to be angry that Chris killed his father? Is Chris going to think, well, you know, like father, like son? I hated the idea of Jake to begin with, but I'm really warm to it now.
4: Have we met?
2: Yeah. That bit in the E3 trailer where he's just, yeah. you can see the weird way Chris is looking at him today. <laughs> and he just says, does he know Wesker was my father? Can't wait to see how that turns out.
5: Yeah, and I think you're right. Obviously, Chris has always been very righteous and being in Stars and BSA, and then obviously to then come across Leon in RE6 that you know he's still equally noble, but then he's got these feelings for Ada. And like the trailer in Six with the guns to their head, you're like yes, because that, that's a clashing of two heroes. And... That's the aspect
4: I'm most looking forward to. Exactly, Those yeah, who are going to interact with each other?
5: It's a bit of fan service as well, isn't it? Because everyone like you know.
4: Watch your two heroes in the same game, the great thing with the series is, or a negative thing you could say, is that they have these great cast of heroes. they've seldom ever met each other. It's...
2: yeah, that's true,
4: uh, yeah, you get fleeting mentions as, like you know in degeneration with.
5: Leon goes, your brother, Chris Redfield. He's like, yeah, I know who my brother is. You know? <laughs> it's really always...
4: odd. in REST 5. Yeah, and
5: it's, it's, it seems quite forced in, doesn't it? But, you know, it's all quite... Good. Before we touch on the enemies, the B.O.W.s, I just want to put my two cents in about the game. I, for one, haven't played it as much as I probably should. But it is very linear. We've talked about this. And for me, I just found the whole game really goes around so quick you never get the time to be in the area that you want to be, explore the area. And it's just like a constant build-up of action and you know suspense leading up to the inevitable end boss. And I don't think that the BOWs helped in that regard. I think the Magini, at least the first ones you see, are way too similar to Ganado's. I'm not quite sure what they bring to it and I, I don't like generally actually how the bows are going from 5 to 6 if you look at all the new pictures that are released on the website you can see all these really weird creatures like ushtanak yeah you can find that's just a you know that's big boss man isn't it but then you've got these weird sludge type things they look like the concept art from outbreak and that kind of started in 5 with the flying bows and some of them are just so weird oh, and i i don't know i i just felt that didn't help with the progression of the game
2: Everything moves a bit too fast for my liking. And... The thing about this game is it's I think it's tense. I think that's what they were going for. They wanted it to be sinister and not particular. I don't think they wanted it to be flat out scary. They wanted it to be sinister. Mm. That opening level where you're walking through the town and you see them beating the shit out of that sack and there's a guy eating a crumb. <laughs> and, you know, you see some villagers drag another person away and you look through the fence and you can see them forcing something down his throat. I mean, it's like being a Bolton fan. It's like walking around Ewood Park surrounded by people who want <laughs> to beat the shit out of
1: you. I completely agree on those. That's what really drew me into the game at the beginning. I, I really thought a lot was going to be played on this little village and the idea that, that you know, people would be disappearing. But for me, there wasn't enough of those moments and, and it kind of took you, almost, you know, and you go to the butchers and that, that, for me, is one of the creepiest buildings in the whole game. But you're very quickly taken away from there with that real sinister air that, that you know that happens in that village. And for me there actually aren't enough of those moments throughout the game.
2: See I don't agree. I mean you you were talking about all the detail you find in the Spencer mansion. But there's plenty of that here as well. Like you see the animal carcasses with the heads removed. And the one in the house, that's sort of been stretched out and tied to the walls and the ceiling as if it was some sort of sacrifice. And there's even pictures in some of the buildings where people have had their eyes scratched out. Like you talked about the faces being painted out in the mansion. Well, there's a similar thing here. But you're not there long
5: enough to appreciate it. Key point. You're so fastly pushed through the game that, you know, after like the public assembly port with the executioner, just run, run, run. And, you know, it'd be nice to go back to explore the area again. You, You just... You know, unless you're going at painfully slow speed, just purposely going slow, there's no backtracking at all. So you don't get to perhaps appreciate those details that you've just mentioned as much as you should. But I... I wish
6: the game was designed to be a bit more slow paced. So there was a lot more soaking in the environments and whatnot. But in the final, it's basically just shooting some more shooting.
5: The moving shooting. But yeah, you're, yeah. Th- there's some great locations. You know, Ty, said, like, you know, back to a good back in the Umbrella Lab. You know, you've got the. I, I liked all the kind of explorer tents you get just before you get into the oil fields
6: yeah know. those those sections I really liked and that's how I, I just wish there was more of them in the game
5: exactly and you know that they're great sections and again you just move through it at such a pace you just don't get that moment to
1: sit back and go okay yeah, I think I think perhaps that's why I missed some of the points that that Bats mentions details and uh, you know sinister in nature details that match back with remake yeah you know, I, I think perhaps that you are as a player you're not given the opportunity to sort of invest your time and to appreciate those moments because you are you know you're constantly pushed in this quick direction
2: but that's just the situation the game places you're in like you're ch- you're fucked because the team's been wiped out there's only two of you left you're trying to get the hell out of there you know yeah, but you're even getting, in you're, four ch- you're chasing this bioterrorist irving you know, you you don't want to hang around, you want to advance the plot, you want to keep going. Four is different, because you're on your own, you don't really know what's going on.
5: Yeah, but my point is, like, the, the village centre, with the fire and the people have been hanged, that's, give or take, the same as the public assembly point. But you come back to that area a few times, don't you? You can, you know, you come back, you go to the church, you come back, and there's different entrances, e- exits, so you have the time to re-explore the area, re-examine all the things that you've been there already, and... You can go back to the beginning if you really wanted to, couldn't you?
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I get that. I do get that. But for me, I mean, I I think part of the problem I've got with this game, the reason I like it, is I'm constantly seduced by the production values on this game. I think the graphics are sensational, even. To yes. Me. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: The live motion really <laughs> helps. You know, the locations you do pass through, like the shanty towns, the seaport, the, the storage warehouse, those are really good. And the mines, and and the only on rail section I like is where you're, you're in the jeep on the savannah. And then the game starts to lose it a bit there where you go through the marshlands and in the, you know, going through all the villages and you're thinking, you know, where's this going? And especially when you get to the underground caverns, but the game does a really good job of tying that into the story with it being a testing ground to protect the sun garden from outsiders, you know.
3: Mm.
2: And then obviously, yeah, when you get to the umbrella lab. And you see the liquor on the ceiling, the umbrella logos everywhere, and the files referencing Doctor Marcus and Spencer. Yeah. You know, it doesn't get any better than that.
5: I it's just think it goes fast. It's so quick. You know, it's not just a case of like in. I think in four each. There's <laughs> only what five chapters. Five chapters in four. Think five. In five yeah. Chapter one, village. Chapter two is church? church. Bit more village. Chapter three, castle. Four. Bit more castle. Five, island oh. or whatever. I can't remember the exact order. There's a lot more time where I feel in 5 that you get a whole new area each sub-chapter.
4: But didn't you feel Res 4 just totally outstayed its welcome around Chapter 4? I've always said it could do well to lose all of Chapter 4, like the second time you go back into the castle and the tower, and the game would be far leaner and better for it. It just... Chapter 4 is completely unnecessary to me. In in Resident Evil 4, I I hate replaying that section with the giant stone Salazar
2: and the climb up the Uh, tower. it's just... And the fact that the castle's so big, you need that monorail to get from one end to the (laughs) other. No, but I'd agree. I'd cut um, most of the castle section out of Resident Evil.
5: 5. But, don't, but don't you just think you you move to too many different subsections in the subchapters? I, you I, I, you're I, I, constantly going to a different place. At no point do you come back. And no, chapter two starts, doesn't it, in the kind of just before you fight the Pukarami
2: thingy, and it's all kind of like. I agree with you. What I'd do with Resident Evil Five is I'd cut out the sections in the marshlands and mm. the enderpire villages and extend that onto the actual town itself, so you could go back and put a couple of hub areas in there so you could go back and you know revisit sections but that was another thing i don't understand about the game in the fact that doesn't it say at the beginning that the army have sealed off the infected zone but then halfway through the game you're taking jeep rides across the desert and you, you go into di- <laughs> different towns you know and everywhere is infected
5: yeah, it's ridiculous isn't it because you got the as you come in um, you're greeted by that guard who then shuts you in yeah and you're like okay contained to an extent Unless there's a whacking great fence the size of bloody the Serengeti National Park, you know, (laughs) this this may as well be affecting all of Africa.
4: The problem with it as well is um, the fact that story-wise nothing really happens until chapter five in terms of like the connection to the history and, you know, the progenitor virus being reintroduced and you've got like chapters one to four. Including a very lengthy cave sequence. And then it's like chapter five, bang to the end. It's
2: like relentless. It's like a machine gun going off. And Yeah. I think Selfish Gene in, from Tia summed it up quite well. You, you could split the game up into three parts. The first section is get Irving. The second part is find Jill. And then the final part is get Wesker. But uh, you're right, like 80% of the story in this game is in the finals. Like I very rarely play co op. But I played it with one of my friends who... Uh, he stopped playing the series after Ronica And he, he enjoyed it. He said it was quite tense. But he said, because we didn't read, stop to read the files, or anything like that, he just said, we got to chapter 5, 2. And he was like, I haven't got a fucking clue what's going on.
3: That's
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, though. Oh, I've never played it
4: co-op. It's the same if you play Lost in Nightmares co-op, which I actually did last weekend in preparation for this. And, you know, although it, the atmosphere is great, and with the second player, it it really works, but... Most of Lost in Nightmares is that old feeling of rereading the files, and you can't do that in a co op environment. And when you get to the umbrella lab in the main game, like you've just said, John, you just you don't have chance to actually soak in what it exactly is befalling you. Yeah.
5: And does it also suffer from the Resident Evil 4 problem of the fact that they're still infected, or do the BSAA go in afterwards and
4: destroy all the BOWs in Kajuju? I would imagine it's probably similar to what happens in Umbrella Chronicles where they go around with flamethrowers burning yeah. everything else.
6: In the game's guidebook it says that the BSAA carpet bomb bioterrorism places if they can't be resolved.
5: Oh, so that's a nice policy. Why not just do that in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> Save us all the hassle.
3: There he is! in timing!
0: You two are just in time for the fireworks show!
2: Boom! <laughs> Wait! I hate that guy. But if I could just go back to some of the characters again. The, mm. the only one I felt was lacking was... Irving, I don't think he had enough cutscenes in the game. We didn't really get the chance to find out that much about him, really.
4: It, it was implied in the trailers that he had a massive role in the game, wasn't
2: yeah. it? I mean, I know he has his own file that says he basically runs the Tricell oil fields, and he was the one who experimented on the villagers with the Type Three Plaga. That was pretty good. But for actual in-game scenes, you know, we don't really learn that much about him at all. And, it, and he becomes a strange BOW, doesn't he? But like. He's he... a bit
5: like what Salazar was. Yeah. But yeah. the difference being, as I think, the difference between the Plagas is that he he returns to a human state. Which, of course, as we often joke, Salazar wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, how his plan would have been shit. But, killed Leon.
2: But someone made a bloody good point, that It's a good job he uh, mutated into some sort of aqua creature. Considering that we were <laughs> on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll kill
5: you! <laughs> he drives six and drowns in the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs>
2: Point, yeah. But the other characters were cool. I mean, the, the support in BSAA cast are quite good. I like Josh. Yeah, um, And amazing he didn't turn out to be a villain and actually survived. And obviously Kirk's death, when you play it again, knowing that he's in Revelations, that resonates just a little bit more as well.
4: That's the finest thing in Revelations for me. Honestly, I can't describe the delight... When he introduced himself in Revelation, it was just unbelievable. And um, Dante's cameo as well. Doesn't he play? That um, he plays the Jeep driver, doesn't he? Dante's voice actor. Oh yeah.
2: really? Oh that's.
4: Yeah. Fun. What's his name? I forget his name. Ruben Langdon. He's Chris's mocap actor as well in Five.
2: Yeah, that's right. But he, he was another good character, and it was just a shame to kill him off straight away as well.
4: That scene that he's in, I, I find is the weakest link in the entire game. The actual El Gigante battle or Nadesu or whatever. It's an awful bit of game, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever tried doing a professional run on that level? We're told on numerous times,
5: Mr. <laughs> Mr. Spencer's difficulties in professional mode it involves oh. lots of expletives. <laughs> We've talked actually about the, the kind of African setting, but if we all rec- uh, recall our minds just before the game got released, the racial elements and how everyone was getting all wound up. I watched a few YouTube videos of some american person going absolute psycho at capcom how dare they release a game in africa and have big white man with big white muscles and big black gun coming killing locals and it's like well where is this set in africa what do you expect and it does seem slightly odd that when you're surrounded by hundreds of zombie uh kind of zombie ganado things you've kind of got it's uh hispanias hispanics uh seems to be like japanese zombies uh, some African, some clearly European. You know, unless this is like the cultural centre of the world, <laughs> Juju wasn't very um, African at all.
2: Yeah, but I think the people who were most vocal about that didn't take the time to actually research the game and find out what it was about. You
5: know. No, exactly. No, no, that's what I was, what I was saying. They just, you know, all they saw
2: was Chris with gun you know, going in stealing money. The game is set in Africa. You know, a large percentage of the African population are black. There is a biohazard in that area. The main character is just happens to be white, but he's already been, you know, established as white for the last yeah. ten years. You know, I don't see the issue. And it's like, what about R. E. six when this virus missile explodes in the middle of China? And it's all, gonna it's,
5: wipe out Chinese people. Yeah, well. <laughs> no one's no one's mentioned that. And it
2: didn't upset the Spanish
5: in RE four. Exactly.
4: It's a lot of books. It's arguably more racist to not actually represent the area accurately.
5: I know, that's the ironic thing, isn't
4: it? I know, it was nonsensical, wasn't it? It
2: was, it was was embarrassing. I think the biggest outcry as well was seeing the the tribal villages in the sort of traditional war paint. But that's explained in a file in the game, isn't it? It's a characteristic of the Plaga to make them regress back to that, you know, sort of primal instinct. I just think it was a huge overreaction and just something to... um... To be fair to Capcom, though, I don't think they ever took it seriously, did they?
5: No, but did they change models of...
2: Yeah, I think in the final game there was one yeah. or two more white zombies, but...
4: I if think... you go back to the original E3 2007 trailer, they're, everyone's entirely black, aren't they? Yeah. Oh,
1: well. Isn't there the suggestion this this is why Shiva was introduced? Because there's certainly... I mean, the first trailer for Resident Evil 5 that I saw very much suggests that it was just Chris and, it, and there certainly wasn't a partner to accompany him. Well,
2: I'll touch on that when we talk about the beta later.
1: Yes. What we'll do now, we'll move on
5: to Lost in Nightmares, because for many, that redeems RE5. Although there's not many bad words been said against RE5 this evening. I think constructive points have been made. But Lost in Nightmares, certainly, uh, if you didn't like action and you liked the old-style Resident Evil games, this took you back to to the original game, another replica of the Spencer Mansion, but this time in beautiful high definition in a familiar setting but again with co-op and it did show that you could do survival horror with this over the shoulder camera. George did you want to put your uh, thoughts on, on Lost in Nightmares and what you thought of the game?
1: Yeah, I absolutely adored Lost in My, Nightmares. At the start with the castle, it's no coincidence that, you know, I was a huge fan of Hookman and, and the basis of what Resident Evil 4 was going to be. And I think, well, she's showing at, at the moment at PU how much of that unused stuff it has found its way to Lost in Nightmares. But I love the castle, the opening. It kind of almost reminded me a bit of, of the scene in Code Veronica when you're walking up to Alfred's residence for the first time. But what I particularly enjoyed and, and kind of, for me, justified its existence there is the fact that it wasn't just slow-paced sort of survival horror in the remake style. You do have tense combat uh, with Blob, which is the most ridiculous name for any BOW uh, in the series. <laughs> you know, it's not sort of one-dimensional combat. You know, you, you've got this little puzzle or, or, you know, sort of impaling them in, in order to dispatch them. You know, you're, you, I, I like the, the idea that your ammo's been taken away from you and you've got to think of another way uh, to dispatch them. The little touches, the mysterious piano playing is great. And the atmosphere, and there's so much that was lacking for me in Resident Evil 5, though they really got right with Lost in Nightmares. And I like the little touches as well, with you've got the, the pictures, you know, you've got stairways to sunflowers where that was found, and you've got, you know, the links to Africa with the little giraffe pictures. And the fact that at the very beginning, something that I thought they should have adopted in Resident Evil 6, you know, giving someone... Um, the opportunity to either play in third or, or first person, rather than this halfway house of this old third person over the shoulder, which I don't think suits either camp, whether you, you prefer first person or third person. We, what we've got with Resident Evil 4, 5 and 6, I don't think serves either camp particularly well. But I like the fact that, you know, checking the door three times and you've got the opportunity to play it in proper third person, certainly for the, the start, I, I don't think you, you can do that in later sections. But yeah, I absolutely loved it. Uh, Newspot, what did you think?
6: I like the return to the old slow-paced investigation-type style with the new camera and aiming system. I, I like the little Easter egg of uh, switching to preset camera angles, even if it did completely nullify the aiming. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was very good. Ty? Yeah,
4: I'll just echo the the notion of the camera angles. When when I replayed it last weekend, we both of us we did it co-op and we both did the camera angles and we just said this is like as good as it gets. It, it's just masterstroke to be in that sort of environment again to be playing like the Moonlight Sonata. It's just amazing hearing it. Um, it was just a, a nice trip down memory lane, and if you if you haven't played Lost in Nightmares for a while, I think it will surprise you as how good it really, really is. Yeah. And the, even the latter sections, it you know, it forces you to be a bit more creative because you can't just blast everything with ammo. I love the fact that they've used, as been revealed by Ridley, I think um, they've used aspects of 3.5 for yeah. the environment, which was amazing. I didn't realise that until they. They brought it to our attention. It was just amazing. The only thing I didn't like is the Wesker fight, uh, which I just felt was wholly unnecessary and actually causes a continuity error because the table's not there in the fight scene.
1: (laughs) I never noticed
4: that. Yeah, I mean, the files are great. One of the best slices of modern Resident Evil for definite, if not the best.
1: Yeah.
5: And a good use of DLC as well the best we've discussed that on on previous ones because i think we're talking about some game that came out earlier this year that somehow had the resident evil branding which we won't talk about but wasn't it
4: 399 uh, or something or 400 points
5: i just got it on gold edition but like yeah it was good because it came out a long time after re5 and it obviously came with desperate escape as well which we'll talk about in a sec what did you think batman
2: yeah i agree i mean it was it was obviously really good Bring back the classic times. I actually liked the relationship between Spencer and his butler, Patrick.
1: Oh, yeah. So it, his yeah.
2: memoirs, yeah. I've just found it really interesting how, you know, you take this egomaniac who's murdered his best friends to get to the top. You know, he's killed thousands of innocent people. And then just this butler, he just lets him go. Doesn't kill him, doesn't backstab him, just lets him go. I thought that was quite a nice touch. And it just showed like how resigned he was to his fate at the end and how desperate he was that I actually tried to bring back Wesker. But yeah, I mean, it was classic. The dogs barking, the, the thunder, the lightning. The only criticism I'd have is for such a big mansion. There were so few rooms. You know, it would have been nice for there to have been just a few more optional rooms yeah. you could have gone into, you know, just for nostalgia.
5: But what I said, that within the first minute of playing, you get a jump moment. With a zombie by, you know, just falling by the steps. You, you don't get that in the entire game of RE5, at least uh, I don't recall.
1: I mean, I think it was when I first played Lost in Nightmares and that happened, and I just suddenly really kind of cemented for me my, perhaps that slightly unfair, attitude that Resident Evil 5 is just a glorified mercenaries. And I agree, I sh- there should be more room. So, you know, every time I play this game, and I had forgotten just how good it was, it, it really almost feels like a missed opportunity that there just isn't more of it. And I, I, at the time, I think I and a lot of people were hoping this is what the future of Resident Evil is going to be, and this is perhaps, they were testing the water with this Mm, one to mm. to see... Would it work? Yeah, would it work for Resident Evil 6? We've seen that the best we can hope for is is an extended universe game like that, or just another DLC.
4: Have you guys ever seen that um, YouTube video, which actually restores some of the unheard dialogue between Chris and Jill? It's quite fascinating.
1: I know, what's that?
4: No, someone cut together a sort of cinematic version using the camera angles, and they actually restored some of the lost dialogue, which was found within the PC version, I think, and it alludes to the fact that Chris has been flirting with a young girl in the office, and Jill's quite jealous, and it's just its really, really good. I'll try and find it and link it. I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that. That's great.
0: That reminds me. I heard you and that girl in the tech department were getting kind of friendly. I didn't know you liked them so young.
2: I mean, I, I can't understand why they'd cut stuff out. You know, yeah. put that sort of stuff out, because they know it would go down well with the fans, because there's all kinds that want, you know, this sort of thing to happen. So, obviously,
5: apart from that, we also had Desperate Escape, which was basically an extension of Resident Evil 5, so I don't think... Is anything specific anyone wants to say about Desperate Escape? you go from I the best yeah, I mean, to one of the worst.
6: <laughs> just feels like an extension of the main game, really.
5: Mm. Yeah,
6: more of the same, isn't
5: it? I did find the end bit quite a challenge, though, when you happen on the... The rooftop, is it? And you've got so many coming at you. That's got challenging, I thought. Or at least, you know, trying to tactically plan what's the best way to take out which which BOWs yeah. first. But...
1: I, I seem to remember finding parts of Desperate Escape, particularly that one, certainly more challenging than, than most of Resident Evil Five. Definitely,
5: yeah. Uh, for me, Five got difficult with the onset of the Reapers because they were a right pain up the ass to kill. There's a special way of doing it, wasn't it? Was it with the
2: you have to I think you shoot them in the back and then they expose the little sack on the chest and then you have to shoot that. And then they sort of turn over again and it comes out again and you've got to shoot it again and
5: Yeah. They were quite difficult. I just only remember just using up all my ammo on them
4: and that wound me up. I think I read somewhere that um the dock that you're actually playing was actually intended for the full game, wasn't it? But was cut due to time restraints. Which would explain why there's a massive jump in them sort of heading down to the dock and then suddenly they're on a boat at sea. I don't know, is oh, it?
1: With the reapers, Nick. So I just remembered you can hit them with the electrical rounds. Dispatch them by that plane. Ah. Yeah.
2: Okay.
5: I should really read the strategy guide, actually. but It probably would have told me what's the best way of doing it.
2: The liquors in this game are bloody hard to kill as well.
5: Mm.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: And that was a tense moment where you had to walk down the corridor and they were crawling all over the ceiling and the walls and you had to be ultra quiet. But you knew they would come out anyway, which is always quite Well, yeah, it sort of makes it obsolete at the end, where you have to kick the door in anyway. But yeah, <laughs> it was nice that you had the option to walk past without disturbing. Did it take away the terror that there were so many of them? Uh, well, no, it was tense, because you know, because there were so many of them, you knew you, you know one false move, and you were fucked, basically. Mm. And there's, there's, a, there's another bit on the ship at the end, where you fight through the cargo hold. I think it's 6-1, where you can actually do it without being seen by anybody. And obviously, if you do that, they don't set off the alarm, which sends loads more into the area. But I didn't know that. I don't know how you're supposed to do it, because I've never managed it myself. It just seems impossible. But I know, I know you can do it. You can get through it undetected.
5: Oh. Okay, so we touched on the BOWs. Is there anything others anyone thought were particularly effective? Because, I, as I said earlier, I wasn't quite mad on like the, the flying ones. I didn't think particularly good. I didn't like much the Puka army either. And the U-8 drone seems somewhat excessive to be a guardian of the Ouroboros facility. It's like, where on earth will they keep it? I mean, it, it's so big and ridiculous. It just live up that tube that the elevator goes down.
2: But it was a nice throwback to RE4 as well.
5: Yeah, it's a bit like... Which one was it? It was it. it?
2: The u three u three yes course it was of course it was yes um
5: practical purposes, I wasn't quite sure what what it did and and,
2: hmm. and the flying ones, the key pepios or whatever they're Kip. pronounced, yeah, they seem to be similar to what the Juavo are in Resident Evil Six, where you sometimes kill them and the wings will burst out with their heads and they'll turn upside down and fly off, oh yeah hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't think it. I, I don't think it was particularly memorable. BoWs,
5: but as I said, apart from like obviously the liquors and I said, and bringing the Indesu obviously made it all a bit more. But...
1: I think the most memorable ones were the returning BoWs, and I certainly don't think they were an improvement at all in the sort of sinister stakes than the ones that we got in Resident Evil 4. I, I thought they were much better actually. Just like I think you did. You mentioned before, Nick. They just felt felt a little bit too fantastical, sort of
5: over the top. I thought so. I mean, obviously RE4 have brought that element in as well, but I thought some of them, and especially in 6, what's coming up in 6, look look a bit OTT. You had the dogs as well, didn't you? They are basically the Camillo things from RE4, so considering you're in Africa, you know, the land of exotic animals, more could have been done. You did have the crocodile, didn't you? But that, that, well, They weren't infected, though, were they? They were just normal ones. No, yeah. I did like the crocodile, actually. That was a good point. I like that bit. But you could have actually taken the opportunity to have, I don't know, zombie
2: drafts. <laughs> 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 could have brought back Titan, which would have been nice. I think you mentioned like an anaconda or something would have been would have been good. You know, nice throwback to the yarn.
5: Yeah, you could have had, you know, a whacking great python or something like that, or maybe a huge, co- even a, you know, Cobra is Obviously, really common as well. That perhaps would have been a bit more sensible as a, as a guardian than a, than the U8 maybe, because that was a crab. It's just, it just seen a, a crab and a bat. It, it, you know, it could have been down bloody Bournemouth Beach. You're in Africa. Get some lions and some
1: elephants and, you know, warthogs. Something white. <laughs> something more exotic than that. But now, now you're now you're just listing animals you remember from the Lion King. From Lion King, yes, it was. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah
4: it is quite <laughs> ironic. You get more um more more African animals in the Wild Things chapter in Outbreak 2. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
5: Exactly. I don't know. That 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 was my. I've always been fascinated by the BAWs and you know base organisms and things like that. I, I think there was a slight missed opportunity there with expanding upon what they could have had. I know what route they were going down with the with them, but
1: can I just ask a question that exposes how little experience I've got playing Resident Evil 5? On the special settings for Resident Evil 5, you've got different filter selects. They, they just
2: literally tint the screen a different colour. That's all they do.
1: Oh, is that all it is? Okay. Yeah. I remember
2: hoping it would give you the option to switch it from daylight to nighttime like you could. That's
1: what I was, that's, yeah, that's
2: yeah. What I was hoping. No. Oh. That would have been quite cool.
5: Does everyone want to say what their favourite moment was? And I think if we ignore Lost in Nightmares, In terms of the actual number five from the game, what was everyone's favourite? I know, George, you would say Lost in Nightmares anyway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One of the most sinister moments for me was the beginning, the villager that gets dragged away, the unidentified object that's being beaten in the sack, and then the butchers that that you visit. And it all kind of reminded me almost the butchers you get in uh, Briss, the butcher that's called Briss. Does anyone know what I'm talking about?
2: Oh, in League of Gentlemen. Especially. League of
1: Gentlemen, yeah. And you know, yeah. and you, and you know uh, there's something a little bit dodgy about his meat. And that there was a lot of, uh, obviously not comical, but there was kind of a sinister air I kind of got anyway from that, which I certainly don't think he, he was selling organic meat. Um, <laughs> but I thought the scenery as you enter the kind of the ancient grounds and the stairway to the sunflower, when that was growing, I, that for me was, was stunning. Other than that, Nothing much else. <laughs> Nothing much else. Use
6: the Umbrella African Laboratory. Yes. That basically, sense. all of it. was my favourite part of the game. Okay. Uh, stars, Tarrant?
4: All the Chris and Wesker scenes, particularly the ones where they're just bickering, which is great to me, and the scene where Jill empowers Chris to basically just carry on. It's just a great scene, even if, you know, the whole notion of Jill's comeback was a bit nonsensical. It's just a great moment between those two characters who previously have never really shared much screen time together. And and that's where my, most of my love for S5 comes from, is these moments between characters. Interesting. And uh, Batman? Yeah, I'm going to have to be incredibly
2: boring and say the same as uh, Ty. The, West, <laughs> the first Wesker fight where it actually the cutscene stops and you realise you've actually got to take him on, you know, in-game while he's still in his humour.
5: Yeah, because of course that'd be the first time, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah.
5: Yeah, I'll do like that. And where he says, seven minutes.
2: Yeah, if you turn the map off so you don't know where he is and you can just hear him, you know, taunting you. There's no point in hiding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, that's pretty cool.
5: Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I don't know, my favourite moment, I, I did enjoy all the Wesker, the Wesker fights, more so than the Jill fight. I found that a bit... I know it's kind of going on at the same time, but I didn't like that bit. But the, the Wesker fight's a good fan, and the one where he kind of throws a rocket at you. That was that was quite good. Uh, I enjoyed that. Um. But yeah, I think I'd I'd agree with George as well. Actually, the the more I played the first bit, I like the fact that at the beginning there's nothing going on, and you may as well be walking around any village in, in Africa, and there's people wandering around minding their own business. I found that quite creepy, and and, and then suddenly it all goes quiet. You know, it's almost a stu almost like this, you know a bit like what they have in RE4 with the Leon's bingo comment. <laughs> It just all goes quite like, okay, something's going on. And I like that kind of, that precursor, um, and it got me excited for the game. But I, after that, I felt it just went too, you know, a bit like what Labour say about the government, that's too far, too fast. So, there we go.
2: But if I can just talk a bit about the negative things, I mean, now that you mentioned that, one of the criticisms I had with this game was how much stuff they took from Resident Evil 4, which was exactly the same, more or less
5: with well, Yeah, with the B.A.W.s and things like that. Well,
2: the chainsaw enemy, the situations it put you in, like the public assembly, was a carbon copy of the village. You know, scenes, as you've just mentioned, all the villagers suddenly disappearing. The fact that this game it had such a long development time, and it just turned out to be so similar to Resident Evil 4. And it was shorter as well.
5: Yeah, I think they could have actually made more use of the executioner, actually. It's focused on him, because the... I remember reading a review of, of Resident Evil 5 again, and the chainsaw zombies back. I mean, as in all good Resident Evil games, the chainsaw. And I was like, what? He's only been in one. And they ruined it, especially the first chainsaw fight where they kind of lock you in. And then you're just kind of running up and down that, that little strip on that street. That was so bad because the AI of, of him is so shocking.
2: I think he's, he's overused in this as well. Like the bit where you get to the oil fields.
5: There's two of them, are not there, yeah
2: and then you get inside when Josh is trying to work the lift and he comes again and you think really you know can you not come up with something different
5: yes yeah he got he runs through the, the factory doesn't he and then there's quite a few of them in um, in desperate escape as well and i think perhaps more could have been done with the executioner which would have distinguished a bit, yeah. a bit more from resident evil 4
1: well, but i just thought for such an iconic character he was sort of quite underused in the game and you know obviously never never saw him again like he's in desperate
5: escape as if i remember isn't
2: he the executioner yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I knew it from the moment I arrived. There's no reason here. No humanity. Everywhere I look, I find vacant stairs. All I see
5: death. Anyway, so that's all our favourite moments. We'll come back later but I know, Batman, you're eager to talk to us all about the uh, pre-release material, the the unreleased pre-beta version material and what didn't get used. Did you want to start us off with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously you've got the art book that came out Detailing all the beta stuff, and uh, you know it's it's really quite interesting to see what the original ideas were. Like I've just brought up an old thread I made on Biohairs here with with a sort of a bullet point list. If you bear with me,
5: Barry was going to be in it, wasn't
2: he? Yeah. Well, the game was originally a one player with Chris as the main character. Obviously, Sheva was just going to be an NPC that you'd meet later in the game, and she wasn't a BSAA agent. She was originally part of the local militia. She was only changed to BSAA agent when co-op was brought in later down the line. It's explained that Chris has ridiculously big muscles because he's been training hard for his eventual confrontation with Wesker. (laughs) And punching rocks, of course. Yeah. Excella was originally a secretary to the male CEO of Tricell, and Wesker became intimate with her to gain access to Tricell. Their relationship is strengthened by what they believe they could gain by manipulating each other. And when the male CEO idea was scrapped, uh, that's when they put Exceller in charge, and her character was changed quite significantly to be a sort of more elegant celebrity type. Instead of Las Plagas, August, it was the T-Virus that was originally used. The public assembly stage would have had zombies, and the level map would have been three times larger than what the final game was. Jill dying was always in the story. However, there was a time in the, where there was a branch in the scenario where she could die real depending on what your actions were as we've seen in some of the earlier trailers the executioner was originally just a chainsaw magini with a large axe but the developers felt it wasn't effective enough so a bigger enemy was created there was originally running zombies but it was never stated if they were a new breed or crimson heads at one point chris began the game on his own And at one stage, Jill was leading a team of BSAA agents who Chris presumably met up with. There's some artwork in the book of Jill being attacked by a biker, Magini. Uh, And as you mentioned, Barry was originally considered to be in it as well. Kijiju originally had a night level, which included a large tower in the very centre of town. The player could go up this tower and from the top could see across the whole of the town and just see how bad things were going down. Originally, Ricardo Irving was an experiment himself and had the barcode on the back of his neck to identify him. The scene where Chris and Sheva were separated in the Enderpire Kingdom was originally Chris falling down a large pit. He falls into the waste management building for the Umbrella Africa lab and had to fight his way through that on his own. Sheva entered the African lab via a different route and found Jill's test tube, and this time Jill was still going to be in it. When the game was still single player, the Endipire levels were a lot more adventurous. When Corp was added, they had to reduce the number of tricks and traps. There was originally underwater swimming sections that had no story value; they were just there for you to explore and find more treasures. The Endipire valued the Sun and Trep flower for its medicinal purposes, but its overuse eventually ended up wiping out their entire civilization. The Progenitor flower was originally an aquatic flower. Mm. Wesker originally died by simply falling into the lava without mutating. This was then changed to him via a rocket launcher as a homage to the earlier games. The volcano and erupting lava location was chosen to emphasize that this was truly the end for Wesker, which is ironic considering the arguments that he's still alive somehow. (laughs) Originally, Wesker could control Uroboros with his mind. Glad I never went for that. Uh, Originally, the final battle was a full-on raw fight between Chris and Wesker but this was changed to co-op when it became two-on-one. Development on the game began in 2004. The weapons merchant was originally brought back and had his own shop in Kijuju. <laughs> originally, there was a huge level set in the desert, but because there was no cover available, they would have to resort to enemies popping up out of the sand, so it was dropped. The level also contained the wreckage of a ship. Uh, on a long dried out lake, there's artwork of that as well, and another weapons merchant had set up shop there. Sorry, just bear with me, I'm nearly at the end. At one stage there was a timed level where you had to survive for a set period of time until the helicopter arrives to rescue you, just like the public assembly stage, but this time it was set at night and the enemies were all liquors. When the game was one player, the very first level began with a battle against an Uroboros creature, which at that stage was just another B.O.W. and not one of the main bosses uh, in the streets of town. Excella and Irving were watching the battle from a safe distance. Cameras have been set up all over town to uh, monitor and collect combat data against the BSAA. And you'd have cutscenes back to Tricell headquarters where they were all monitored by this uh, unidentified male CEO. The CEO character of Tricell is betrayed by Wesker and Excella and Wesker shoots him in cold blood. There was originally a tyrant in the game and it would kill Excella under the orders of Wesker. And in the first battle between Chris and Wesker, Chris is beaten to within an inch of his life until Jill rescued him. When Jill fell with Wesker at the Spencer Estate, she stabbed him in the right eye with a knife. And as a result, Wesker had a glass eye in his right socket, which was going to be his weak point in the game.
4: I like that. That's like an old homage to his battle game thing in Code Veronica, isn't it?
1: Did anyone else sort of think, from what Bats was reading out there, quite a lot of the things that didn't make it to the final game, had quite sort of a dark tinge to them. The, the, the Wesker getting stabbed in the eye, the, the, you know, the assassination of the CEO, uh, the tyrant killing Excella. I don't know if the, you know, these all kind of considered, you know, sort of too hardcore for a mass market, but they seemed, seemed quite, you know, dark elements.
2: There's also some more out-there elements, like there's meant to be one fight scene where you fought 10-15 uh, to L Gigantes at the same time, and the zombies were eventually changed to Magini because the developers believed another zombie-filled game might not be able to hold its own through to the very end. They say group attacks and organised assaults would not have been possible with zombies, and the tyrant was cut out because the staff felt it messed with the whole wesker Uroboros angle. But it did seem a lot more interactive, like Going back to the merchant, the merchant had a shop in town, but he'd barricade it up to protect himself from the zombies. So you actually had to physically rip down the barricades to get in his shop. And when you press the action button to knock on his door, the merchant would then peek through a little slit in the window and ask you if you're a friend or a foe, and if there are any zombies around, and what are you buying?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm, the idea as well, I think I, I suppose Chris getting beaten with an inch of his life maybe was considered a bit too hard.
2: Yeah, because I suppose you really couldn't carry on with the game if that was the case. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to anyone who hasn't got it, I recommend you get the book, The Art of Resident Evil 5. It's, it's fantastic. Got, yeah. It's got some brilliant stuff in There's loads more I could tell you about what was cut out and what ideas they had. What
5: were they going to do with Barry, do we know?
2: He was just an idea they had for Chris's partner. Because uh, originally when the game was one player, there was going to be a lot more NPC characters in it. There was going to be other BSEA teams in different locations. And uh, his partner was undecided between Jill or Barry at that point.
4: Okay. And I've just, re- I've actually found this thread. Spencer is Saddler. That's a bit of a mind.
2: Yeah. That's, that's the big. <laughs> that's the biggest reveal.
5: There's talk about that. I mean, I'm sure that when Resident Evil 4 came out, everyone was like, "Beat the new Spencer as Lord Saddler." So obviously they carried thought about that as well.
2: It was, it was a joke.
5: Oh uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's not a very good one.
5: No, but like they, there was promo material for RE4 at the time saying basically saying meet the new Spencer
4: just love the fact that there was a tyrant in there what a great homage that would have been but the original version of you know discussing the beta stuff you you can actually see a hint of that in the E3 2007 trailer that version of public assembly looks so much better than the version that made it into the finished game yeah
5: right does anyone have any other points they would like to raise about Resident Evil 5 Didn't
2: generally Newsbot want to say something about the progenitor the and G virus link.
6: Yes, you did. Basically, Wesker was originally infected with the G virus since he was brought back because the G virus inherently had the ability to revive the dead. But this was continued up until Umbrella Chronicles. But for some reason, they changed it with five. They turned it into he was infected with progenitor. Progenitor was also planned at the time before five to be a virus which would basically turn. A human into a black tentacle monster, which would then eventually just die. And this was sort of kept for five, but in the form of Ouroboros. So basically we've got three separate viruses which grant superhuman abilities. And are all connected in some way. Their abilities have just been switched around.
5: Therefore proving that it was all part of the original plan. Um.
6: <laughs> T-Veronica is a superhuman virus as well, sort of. It just has the added ability to control other infected creatures the same way a queen ant would to soldier ants Mm. and i just thought it was really interesting certainly certainly definitely
5: it's a unique game re5 i said earlier with lots of you know as i said three different kind of viral aspects going on and of course on the uh, bsa desktop there's all the kind of history of the different viruses and all kind of led up quite nicely and i I think re5 had one of the best kind of pr schemes didn't it because you had all the kind of Graffiti, didn't you? That you got eventually got on the Dulux edition of Resident Evil 5 or the Don't Go to Kajuju, Seashell is Evil, and all that. That was quite nice. I
1: think that worked quite well. And
5: then obviously with Adam's blog.
1: You've got Chris's Diaries, didn't you? The um, viral videos. And the Kajuju Survivors List. Wait. Yes.
2: <laughs> well done on Escaping Kajuju, by the way, Sean.
1: Yes, you yeah. did. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Do you remember how I did it? <laughs>
1: I explain.
4: It was my last. It was the last contribution REH ever did for me. <laughs> yeah, I just hoard out the links so much on that site and then abandoned them. <laughs> to be fair, I, I actually attribute my whole attitude towards Jill's death in that game to the fact that that, that site put the whole game spoilers on the front page. Because once you knew things like Jill was in the game, that liquors were back, the last location was a volcano, none of it was a surprise. And this is why I've I've been so careful with Resident Evil 6 spoilers because I just don't want that to happen again.
5: No, no, I, th- I think as we spoke about earlier, I think Capcom have alluded to that. You know, there's still quite a lot of information that we don't know. It, we've had leaks about characters, but that hasn't been
2: that spoilerific. There's probably still quite a lot of the information that we don't know. Um, I mean, everyone feared the worst, didn't they, when it was leaked in Poland? But to be fair, there's been nothing.
4: No.
1: I, I missed that bit about the list of Kujaku survivors. What was that?
4: Um, There was a competition that they did on the the official site, whereas if you managed to spam your link, basically, to your profile, to enough people, the top 100 people would get their name published in the Res 5 manual. Um, The second or third name in the American manual. Oh,
1: well done. Uh, (laughs) How did you get on that? Oh, obviously, uh, by doing that
4: then. Yeah, just basically, just went everywhere, just... Oh, what that person had to do, all they had to do was just click the link and then push a button, I think, on the page it was given to. And then that would count toward your tally. And I, I, it was like the top one hundred people. Yeah. Did Capcom you, even sent me a sent me a manual from the state so I could have I was it, say, in, a, yeah. in, in a steel book, which was nice for us five.
5: I was gonna say oh, yes. did you import a copy just so you could have it? Isn't there websites as well? Some of the fan sites are on the
4: I know oh. some there was a few sites that put up a scan. I don't think it was ever published officially online.
5: No, in the American Manual, I thought we were on it. Oh, the, I'll the... find out. I'm gonna... I think pro- I think Project right, is
4: here. Cool. I think dot fifty's on it. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh let me have a look. It's here. I've got Thire and Project Umbrella Community. That's just above me. Oh. And and then just below me is Rob McGregor, which is nice. Rombie? Yep, yeah, quite a few names a few a few names I recognise, but None that jump out, I mean, it's mainly all in the, the first one, yeah. Peer so community, then it's me, then it's ron McGregor, ResidentEvilFan.com, it says.
1: That's just the American manual.
4: It was, yeah, it was such a shame. Yeah. Leech Charmer, I recognise him, he's the one who did the Res 6 hoaxes not so long ago, wasn't he?
1: Oh, the picture of the letter. Yeah. Bloody good
5: that was as well. <laughs> it was, yeah. Got me. <laughs> D-
1: uh, yeah.
4: Dice Games, I recognise that one.
1: And the, the BSSA desktop, did you mention Nick? Yes that just a viral website?
6: It's official Japanese backstory to the game. Unlike the American campaign, which is done by a completely different company. The remote desktop was done by the development team.
1: Is that a link that's still accessible? Is it a Japanese link? or?
6: It actually is, I think.
1: Okay, I'll have to try and find that. Don't you have a translation of it on PU? I'm sure you do. I'll yeah, we've
6: that. got different files of it.
1: You don't expect
5: our staff members to actually know what's on our website, do you sure?
6: promotional materials. Yeah. <laughs> I can't
4: remember where it is I'm sure I've seen it on there because I still use it official um, website it's official. PSA remote desktop
6: yeah, yeah that's it <laughs> yeah
4: you've got all the files all the reports
5: um. right let's wrap this bad boy up we've obviously gone through our favourite moments what would you score it out of 10 stars
4: uh, an unbelievable 10
5: <laughs> uh, no yeah. because
4: the, the story like I say the story is a series high for me and still is and I've played it a lot co-op with various friends and I can't say I've not had a good time with it. I've put more hours into this one than any other in the series, truly have. And you know, with someone who, when you play it with someone who enjoys the series as much as you do, it is a great experience to go through it. It's good fun. Um, and, but for the story, yeah. And I always rate the Resi games by the story. So yeah, it's it's a high for me.
5: Yeah, I just not that I'd normally give a score, but I'd interject and say yeah, for the storyline itself was one of the better ones of the series, but to score it ten, very uh yeah,
2: very not. Batman, what would you say? No, I I enjoyed it for all the same reasons Ty did. But I can see the faults in it. I mean it was i can't understand why i had such a long development time considering how similar it was to Resident evil four in the end the level design as well was a little bit lazy towards the end of the game like i said before i had to cut out the middle section with all the enderpire villages and that and the bit on the ship it just got incredibly lazy, like the final level where you've just got to burst through the ship's hangar uh, and fight the two guys with the Gatling guns. That was just it was just lazy.
5: That took ages as well. That for me was one of the longest parts of the game.
2: But it was nice, Wesker, to conveniently wait for you to get to him before he decided yeah. to fly off and and launch the virus. But no, I enjoyed it. I'd give it a solid eight out of ten. Yeah. That's new spot.
6: I liked most aspects of it, especially the story, but it does have a few flaws. It's not the most well-designed game, and it feels, like Batman said, it's pretty much another copy of Resident Evil 4. So I'd give it about mm, a 7 out of 10.
5: 7 out of 10. Okay, and finally, George?
1: Are we including Lost in Nightmares? Well, I was about to almost give you a special score. I'm okay, no, I I know exactly what you're going to say. Thank you very much. Lost in Nightmares, I would give... Eight and a half out of ten. I, I wouldn't give it nine because it's not a main game. You know, I, I feel it would be wrong to do so. And Resident Evil 5, the main game, I don't particularly enjoy that type of gameplay. I don't want to see that gameplay in Resident Evil. Four stars reminded me that I need to reflect the story into my, into the score. I was going to give it five. I'll give it six. So and I'm really trying hard there. Can I just say, obviously, I really do respect people... PU staff and PU members that, that really enjoy this game. And I don't want to be flippant about it and I do try to get something out of it and I've taken on board actually a lot of what people have said today, particularly Batman and, and, and stars in terms of, you know, positive things they get from the game. Yeah, six, out, six, and a half out of ten. six and a half out
5: of ten. Brilliant. Um, I don't think we've had any call-ins this week. Um, I think we've probably been too quick in the production of this podcast. So with that, we'll now move on to Neptune Newsies. Biohazard
1: quiz. It's back to Nixon Newsbots, yeah. You've not got the guts just to call it Nick Nixon. <laughs> no. <laughs> no the, bo- the, the boss is here, so it's back to Newsbots.
4: <laughs> Five questions, three participants, and one topic. It's Neptune and Newsies Biohazard Quiz.
5: Right, so welcome to Neptune and Uzi's Biohazard quiz. Quick recap of the scores. Batman, 37 points. George Trevor in second place on 28.5 points. Mr. Spencer on 28 points. Our stars in our reasonably priced quiz. Ridley and <laughs> Wanderer are joint top with four points. Romby, three. Welsh, three. Smiley, three. Syndra, two and a half Selfish Gene, Ty, and Zombie Fred scoring a solitary point. And I do notice Ty, you seem to score a point every week
4: because you do some yeah, So I'm hoping I'll, I'll at least raise it to what two? Two. <laughs> yeah.
5: We have a second opportunity to climb up that leaderboard. You still have because you get a second chance, a chance to actually win it by scoring in total six out of five. So you need a full house here to win. Ty. Is going to step oh, in for Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be, going to be horrified, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go through the five questions as normal. We all know the rules. And then once we've gone through the answers, I do have some special quiz news. Oh, yes. Ooh. So let's start with question number one. This comes in from our resident quiz question provider, Ridley, currently uh, joint of leader of the quiz. In what room of the RPD do you find a miniature bust of Oswell E. Spencer? What? <laughs> From Ridley, in what room in the RPD do you find a
4: miniature bust of Oswell E. Spencer? That's ridiculous. He didn't even have an
1: appearance back then, did he? <laughs> there isn't a bust of him in the RPD. No. Are you sure this isn't some old man that he's mistaken for Spencer? I don't know. This is what I'm told. You know what Ridley
5: does, though. He totally examines I was, I was, actually, every I, You know something?
1: I forgot it was Ridley, and if I... Yeah, no, if it's Ridley, then... He, know, he knows what he's talking about.
4: Okay. He does. I'm trying to think whether there's a bust.
1: Batman's suspiciously quiet. <laughs>
2: no, I'm, I'm trying to think as well.
5: Move on to question number two, which is one of my questions, actually. I was quite pleased. With this. According to the poster in the Stagler office, i.e., the uh, Stagler garage in Resident Evil 3, which famous persons work at the station?
4: This is unbelievable.
5: <laughs> How many he's, is there? I've got four. So, according to the poster in the Stagler office, which famous persons work at the station? Of course, if you think about it, they don't, obviously. They've just been put there as pictures, so... Oh,
1: hold on a second. These are one of those things that uh, magnify up. Dark...
5: Yeah, so I've got four answers. I'll see how many people get to determine how many points people get. Okay, so everyone got some answers there. Question number three. If I want to escape to ecstasy, what um- umbrella product would I take? I'll repeat that. If I want to escape to ecstasy, what umbrella product would I take? So you've got a choice of... Four, I think. Question number four comes from Vito. He's being very specific about this, and I need three answers to score the point. What are the main symptoms of someone who is infected with Uroboros?
1: Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs>
5: <laughs> what are the main symptoms of someone who is infected with Uroboros? Symptoms. He seems to know that it is listed somewhere, and he's very particular on what they are. Yeah, it's listed somewhere. Is it listed? Thank you. There you go. Good question there from Vito. Finally, question number five comes from El Veltro. What is the brand name of the red gas cylinders seen in Resident Evil 5?
1: I don't think I'm going to get anything right.
5: Just looking for the brand name of the red gas cylinders that you blow up. That concludes the quiz, so join us after this when we'll run through the answers. Okay.
3: Where did they go? Chris? Where? Run faster! Look,
0: over there! He was hired to do a job.
3: You don't have to do this. Let the BSAA take care of it.
0: But he won't stop until they're all gone. It doesn't look like anyone's been here for months. But I can promise you, they're out there.
3: (laughs) Agent Redfield. Wesker. (laughs) Chris, hurry, it's closing!
0: Made it by the skin of my teeth. Uh, You don't have any teeth. Let's go. (coughs) Wesker! I know you're here!
3: Uh... Hmm? Oh my God! Behind you! (laughs) (laughs) The virus is in the Kalahari. Didn't you hear me? Where are you going?
0: Africa.
5: Hello, and welcome back to Neptune and Uses Biohazard Quiz. Some interesting questions this week, some very tricky ones as well. So we'll see how everyone has done. Question number one came in from Ridley. In what room in the RPD do you find a miniature bust of Oswell
2: E. Spencer? What did you put Batman? I have no idea. I'm going to say the library. The library.
1: Okay. George Trevor? I was going to say Brian Iron's office, but I'm trying to think of a room where there's kind of clutter and perhaps an item that would go unnoticed, and I don't think that would be in Brian's office. So I'm going to say the room where the liquor bursts through the glass ceiling, where you put the red jewel on. Do you know the one I mean? Yeah. There's a few sort of bits of pieces with sort of blankets over them and boxes, I would say in there. Okay. Well, Mr. Spencer slash Ty, because you're playing for Mr. Spencer.
4: I was just trying to think of where busts were in the game, and the only one I could think of was the corridor where you actually push the busts for the puzzle, where it releases the red jewel. The corridor before you get to the corridor with the star's office. That's all.
5: Right. I'm ashamed to know my knowledge of the RPD is not that great, but uh, the answer I have, the dark room. With the antiques,
4: just before your first dialogue with Sherry. That's next to Iron's office, isn't it? It's the next room. Yeah, George has got it right, then.
5: George has got it right. Points! Well done, George!
1: That's the only point I'm going to get this week,
5: I think. Uh, Moving on to question number two, was according to the poster, in the Stagler office, which famous persons slash actors work at that station? I've got four answers down. Give me your list. Ty,
4: I've got Michael J Fox, Christopher Lloyd and Mary Steenburgen from yes. Back to the Future 3. Okay. That's uh, I'm
2: pretty sure that's a picture. Batman? Yeah, I've got exactly the same as Ty.
1: And George? I've got exactly the same. I actually wasn't expecting to get this right because the only famous people I knew were from Back to the Future where Michael J. Fox is kind of in his like cowboy outfit and yeah, uh, yeah. Mary's kind of dressed like a Western. I thought that was on the wall before you come into the open area before you go into the restaurant, where you've got like posters and I thought they were, that was from one of the wanted posters. It's on a pinboard in the it's petrol kind of station, board, yeah. isn't
2: it? And you've got a double quite... parked outside as well. Is there? Amazing.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Never seen that. Congratulations all. Points for all there. Yeah, we're looking for those three. You could have also had Hugh Grant and Andy McDowell. Yeah,
1: yeah.
5: From Four Weddings and a Funeral. So, uh, points all there. Well done, well done.
1: So, just a so quick I, I got a funny feeling they're also in the faces on the wanted posters, but I might be wrong. Okay,
5: yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Question number three was, if I want to escape to ecstasy, what umbrella product would I take, Batman? I think it's Aquacure. Aquacure, okay. Ty? Aquacure. And George? Aquacure. Correct. Well, very good. Three points all around. Very good. Question at number four was from Vito. What are the main symptoms of someone who is infected with Ouroboros? And he asked me to remind you, you need three of them. There's one, two, uh, one, two, So it's four. Three or four, depending. One is or, but I could give you it. So you need all three for the point. So what did you put, George?
1: I didn't write anything down, because I knew I was just going to have to kind of wing it when you asked. Okay. You're going to um, try
5: and wing it now? Go
1: just uh, blood comes out your eyes. You cough a lot. Black spaghetti comes out your mouth. All joking aside, I don't know. The physical symptoms. Yeah, according to a file. Oh, oh no, I don't I don't know. I'm not going to get any points for this one.
2: Okay, Batman. I'm going to say convulsions. Your eyeballs turn black. The black cysts that come out of your body and the sort of yellow pustules that are your weak spots.
5: Oh, yes. Um, and
4: Ty? I had um the cat eyes or dark eyes, whatever it does to you. The worms that start to grow from your skin. And for the third one, I just put, like, regeneration. The fact that your limbs oh, okay. can grow back and things like that. But they're not really symptoms, they're more... I,
6: know, I said quite a lot of that, actually. I think my answer was better than I
1: realised.
5: I'm going to pass it over to Newsbot. Do you know the answer to this
6: one? Not off the top of my head, I just know the file's listed in.
5: OK, I mean, the answer I've got from Vito is sweating, disordered breathing, delirium or confusion.
2: So it's literally straight out of file, then.
5: I believe so. To have that level of detail, I'd imagine that's the case. So no points to anyone there.
2: To be fair, they could be symptoms for anything in the series.
5: I I, I thought
2: you meant specific to Uroboros. Mm. Yeah, I had a devious question from Vito.
5: Well, the, well, well what would you expect? That's Vito all over.
2: <laughs> I forget. <laughs> it's not as bad as how many leaves are in the first.
3: <laughs> <rackets>.
5: <laughs> and finally, question number five was from El Veltro. What is the brand name of the red gas cylinders? Did you know this one, George? No,
1: no idea.
5: Not going to hazard a guess?
1: Brand name of the gas cylinders?
5: Yeah. I don't I, know. It's, just, it's not really that guessable. don't
1: know.
4: Stars Town? No
2: idea. I just put gasoline down as a gasoline. guess.
5: Uh, Batman, did you know?
2: have uh, no idea. Fart gas. I don't
5: know. Uh, the actual answer is Hatari. H-A-T-A-R-Y-I. Atari. So there we go, a low-scoring quiz this week.
4: And I researched Res5, no end. I think <laughs> that would be a five-themed <laughs> yes. quiz. Thanks very much.
5: <laughs> at no point or ever have I ever done an entire five questions dedicated to the game we've been looking at. So that means, George, you win! What? That means you win with three out of five. Very oh, good. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty really strange, OK. Which puts you up to 31.5. And uh, in, in second place, uh, joint second place was Batman and Mr. Spencer and Ty scoring two points, which puts Batman up to 39 points. Mr. Spencer up to 30 points. Ty, because of your previous, you have now scored three. So there we go. All worth it. So that concludes our episode 11 podcast quiz. Join us next time when we'll have more questions. Good quiz, everyone. As promised, there is news on the quiz. Next week will be the last in the series, the current series of the quiz. A winner will be decided next week. Batman can't be cool. There will be the usual <laughs> five questions. Oh, here we but, go.
1: But <laughs> then. It's going to be like the Krypton Factor when the guy that was really slow and got all the questions right just gets overtaken by the fast stickler. <laughs> <laughs> but then, my friends, there'll be a round two. Although
5: I have decided what round two will be, I am not revealing it to you today. Round two will be an opportunity for people who are behind to catch up.
2: <laughs> so basically it means the last ten months are irrelevant.
5: Hey. Why, why is the quiz ending? Because we've had Stars tight on for a second time. His score will go on to the next scoring for the guests. Because as they do in Top Gear, for which this is based upon... They get a new reasonably priced car and therefore they have to go through the times again. So that is what we'll be doing and we'll be but having a new quiz. The, no, it'll still be this, it was just different questions, you know, just different scoring. The scoring is for the Resident Evil 6 quiz. We reset to zero and Batman, don't worry. It's not just the case of everyone can catch up. You will still have ample opportunity to win. If you navigate yourself round round two... Correctly, then there's no risk of you losing.
2: What's round two called? Shaft Batman. Yeah,
5: yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I will reveal more in the Biohazard Damnation.
4: It's going to be a bloody <laughs> online playthrough. We'll all have to take each other on on Res 6 or something.
2: <laughs> I'm going to download Confidential Report and watch Resident Evil Retroaction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we have that to look forward to. It should be a good. Um... Oh God, so I just had a nightmare Paul Anderson one day being a special guest on the podcast. <laughs> Hopefully, Mr.
5: Spence will decide to join us for that one. I think he should. It should be good fun. That's our news on the quiz, so keep your ears out for that. And then what we'll do for you, Ty, is we will add your score to the next round. But there is further news. As of the Resident Evil 6 podcast, which is happening in two-podcast time, member here, Stars Time will be joining us on a regular basis. Thank you very much. As a podcaster. Which is excellent news for all you Stars Tyrants fans out there. I know there's lots. <laughs> oh, God.
4: I know there's lots. Oh, Nick. <laughs> you joker, you. No, thank you very much, guys. Great opportunity. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, so we'll look forward to that. And now we can look forward
5: to our next podcast, which will be, as mentioned, on Biohazard Damnation, which should be very exciting. We've got that coming out very soon. As I said, most people can even watch it now already. I, for one, as said earlier, will be waiting for it in physical format. So, that's coming out on the 24th, which is next Monday. So, I assume we're going to be trying to get that done shy of a few days before Resident Evil 6 comes out. But that's what we've got to look forward to that's all part of the plan up to Biohazard 6 and then obviously the Biohazard 6 podcast should be fairly epic. We hope there'll be we could probably do two podcasts on Biohazard 6 I'd imagine. So there we go. Cool. Well, on that note we will cease our podcast. I hope you've all had a good time listening and play along with the quiz. We've got obviously Biohazard Damnation next. If you want to send in an MP3 feel free to do so. That'd be greatly appreciated. And Of course Damnation's going to uh, stir a lot of points for everyone so if you can get that in. Any other Questions. Uh, I've had a few sent in which I'm saving now for podcasts. So I do need more. I do need more. Um, So feel free to continue sending me questions via PM. That would be great. So thank you very much. Uh, Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, On that note, it's goodbye from me, Neptune. Goodbye
4: from me, Batman. Goodbye from me, Stars Tyrant.
6: Goodbye from me, Newsbot.
1: And it's goodbye from me, George Trevor. I'm so glad I don't have to play Resident Evil 5 anymore. (laughs) 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 When